power on. But you, but you can say something about the question which you really would wish to know the answer to. And, I mean, for, for me, it would be, what, what's consciousness? Because, oh, yeah. because that's, that's totally baffling. That, Richard, you know what I think? I agree. Not that you ask, but what I think on this is uh, consciousness has kind of baffled us for a while, okay? And evidence that we haven't a clue about what consciousness is is drawn from the, in, from the fact of how many books are published on the topic, right? We're not really continuing to publish books, not really, on, like, Newtonian physics. It's done, all right? So, so the fact that people keep publishing books on consciousness is the evidence we don't know anything about it, because if we knew all about it, you wouldn't have to keep publishing. So, so what I wonder... What I wonder, Richard, is whether there really is no such thing as consciousness at all, and that there's some other understanding of the functioning of the human brain that renders that question obsolete. To that, I've got to say, like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And am I, am I like thinking? Or am I just like thinking that I'm thinking? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Will you Richard, stop? Oh, no, wait, sorry. Richard. We went, we went decades, we went decades not understanding the procession of Mercury. It was this big mystery. And we invented solutions to it, like a mysterious planet Vulcan tugging on it such that the, its, per, its perihelion processed. And, and that wasn't the explanation at all. It was obviously general relativity. Another thing, not the original question <laughs> we were asking. So you say you want to know what consciousness is. Maybe that's not even the right question. How about oh. this? What's the nature of consciousness? Excellent. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, actually, I, Tracy, I think I want to uh, direct this one to you. Um, Who's you? To Tracy. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not Neil. I'll be happy. Okay, be okay. Happy. okay. Um, so the $64,000 question in the study of consciousness is, how can you get some kind of explanation of consciousness wholly in terms of processes in the brain? I mean, in so many other fields, physical explanation has been successful. We've explained chemistry in terms of physics and biology in terms of chemistry, and even quite a, quite a few bits of psychology in terms of biology and so on. So it's natural to hope it might work for consciousness too. But there seems to be this big gap in the case of consciousness. No matter how complicated the system of neurons you're looking at, and how complex their interactions, it's just very hard to see how this kind of interaction is going to give you subjective experience. And I actually think this is for systematic reasons. The kinds of explanations you get from looking at a physical system from a third-person point of view are great for certain sorts of problems, um, explaining you know, how, what, what is the systems do, how they behave, you know, so how I walk, how I talk, how I use language. That's a, that's a question about what it is that I do to solve those questions, you just need to find the right mechanism, a mechanism in the brain that brings about that kind of behavior. So some of the problems of consciousness are of that form. You know, how is it that I can point at you? How is it that I can say something in response to a stimulus? But these are what I think of as the easy problems.
of consciousness. The, the question that really gets us going in the science and the philosophy of consciousness is what I call a hard problem. How is it that all this physical processing in the brain gives you subjective experience? You know, why does it feel like something from the first-person point of view? And the trouble is that all of these third-person explanations of brain and behavior and so on, no matter how objectively satisfying, always seem to leave this further question open. Why is all that accompanied by subjective experience? And my own view, is, at least, is that for systematic reasons, any purely neurobiological explanation is never going to answer that question, the hard problem. So we need something else in the explanation. Earth, 2018. The alliance between governments and tech giants has led to the rise of the surveillance society, distraction technology, the attention wars, and the erosion of your mind. But one show stands against this insidious system. Hosted by the podcast champion, the man of tomorrow, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He and his co-hosts form the intellectual resistance. It's time for Sovereign Tech. Because I'm here for you for whoo, another little Sovereign Tech. And this week, woo, <laughs> I recorded from a hotel room in New Hampshire, baby. Uh, and we are, this is a very special episode. So we got a little bit of an intro for you, but then we are going to cut uh, to, well, the Golden Stallion, the best in the world is not alone anymore, baby. The man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star. Woo! You know it, because I've been talking about it for a few weeks, has full-on co-hosts. And this week, we make another announcement of the other major co-hosts that I'm bringing on now. And, well, you'll hear all about it uh, while we're talking about it. All three of us, woo, in a hotel room. And you know that that's a good time. And if you're wondering about that opening audio, little Richard Dawkins there, little, little Neil deGrasse Tyson, little David Chalmers, all that, well, it's all going to make sense as we get into a very freewheeling discussion. This is, this is definitely a, a, a very different episode of Sovereign Tech than maybe what you're used to. But I've had the great pleasure of doing past episodes where it's from a hotel room, be it on the couch or the bed or whatever. Uh, of course, there was a, a infamous one years ago, uh, one of my favorite episodes actually of all 
time of Sovereign Tech, that being with uh, myself, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, and of course the inimitable whoo, MK Lords, baby. And it was it was an awesome episode and caused all wreaked all kinds of havoc, which that's what I like Sovereign Tech to do. And I think this episode might be uh, equally very, uh, shall we say, transgressive, rebellious, controversial. All the things that make Sovereign Tech so wild, baby. And here it, it'll be here for you. But before we get into it, I want to cover some stuff. Just uh, just go over a few things. First off being, and thanks to the Sovereign Tech patrons, of course, if you want to be a patron for Sovereign Tech on Patreon and get access to literally thousands of hours of other of you know exclusive audio content and new audio content every single fucking week including the exclusive patreon only uh wednesday q a amongst many other things the live hangout that we do and oh man there's going to be all kinds of hotness coming out all throughout february and then well for for all time i'm not going to stop doing this show <laughs> like ever okay especially when i get to hang out with just the coolest ladies in the world you know to do it so uh but anyway uh yeah I had uh, some patrons tell me that the contact form, which is probably the best way to get in touch with the show, and that is at contact.zog.ninja. Or if you, you can go right to my main website, which is zog.email, that's in zog.email, and you'll see the contact us thing at the top. Uh, that the contact form was unfortunately broken. Um, and thank you for the patrons for pointing this out. And I went there. It's fixed. It's all set. Um, I'll probably talk about that a little bit more on some kind of Patreon episode. But anyway, that or I think I already did talk about it, but that's all fixed. So if you want to get in touch with the show, because while we don't cover it this week, we have reintroduced as of last week's episode, we have reintroduced the public Q&A, which really helped a lot of people fall in love with this show because you can ask questions about anything. It could be, you know, tech related. It could be science related. Hell, it could be relationships. It could be anarchism. It could be all kinds of wild shit, whatever the fuck you want to ask me about. Um, and I, you know, I'll play any, mini miny, mo, and I'll get into some, uh, some answers on that. So if you want to do that, you just go to contact.zog.ninja or go to the main website, of course, zog.email, and uh, and you can hit up the contact form and use that. That way you don't have to worry about remembering the email address because the, actually the email address has changed a couple times, well, more than a couple times throughout the history of the show for varying reasons. Um, so that's the best way really to get in touch. So do look uh, for that. And like I said, this week's episode, very different, okay? Not going to be like a whole t ton of tech news, but we are going to get into some very interesting things. Definitely going to get into ethics, which, of course, everybody loves when I talk about that. Uh, but again, I'm not alone this time around. Uh, but yeah, this could be a di very different feel episode, but we'll be talking about it more as we go into it. But just uh, I'll put the announcement right out here. The new Sovereign Tech co-host that will be on eh, at least once a month, I think, is the plan right now is, of course, the absolutely, talk about inimitable, talk about amazing, talk about brilliant, talk about just pure dynamite on the air and off the air, Ellen Ball. I am so honored that Ellen is on. Uh, she's been on the show quite a few times, uh, but now it's totally official. She's a full-on co-host. She is a part of Sovereign Tech, or what you, the Sovereign Tech listeners, have dubbed the Sovereign Tech Cabal. <laughs> Pretty much all these people that have come together, uh, you know, to, to, to help make the show what it is, be it with the, uh, you know, the more fictional aspects of the show, even the non-fiction aspects of the show. Uh, and really, Ellen was my number two choice. Like, I, I mean... Well, I don't know that we should necessarily number it, but before, you know, obviously Stephanie was like the first person that I thought of. And right after thinking of Stephanie, it's like, OK, who's next? It's Ellen. Like, just like that. And and 
she uh, graciously accepted the offer. And Ellen is an incredibly busy person. I mean, this is a woman who's got so much ambition and drive. I mean, just phenomenal. Full on scientist. The, the re- she's the real deal. And as you'll hear her say, I mean, she's a longtime listener of the show. She's actually a patron, just like a lot of you. Um, you know, she's she's been a fan for a while. Uh, and to really, you know, for her, though, still to like give some of her time to make the show more dynamic and, you know, bring bring another voice, uh, you know, out there, uh, really, in my opinion, a powerful voice, a brilliant voice. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm so honored by that. Uh, so very exciting. And it is now official. Um, this this brings us up to three co-hosts total. Uh, of course, like I said, Stephanie and then Ellen and uh, actually on the Star Wars update, that's a Patreon only perk. Um, I will be joined by my very dear friend, um, uh, Rob, who, well, you'll, you'll find out about him if you listen to the Star Wars updates, but I mean, he's just, he's wonderful. So anyway, uh, all that said, I mean, are there going to be more co-hosts in the future? Yeah, there might be. I, I, but right now the, this is, this is where I want to focus because you're still going to get episodes just so you understand this, you're still going to get episodes where it's just me, you know, where I'm flying solo. I've been flying solo with this show for six years. I do two hours a week, every single fucking week for six years. You know, I mean, sometimes I'd have guests on or whatever, but now, like I said, like I've said in previous episodes, I want to bring it up. I want to bring it to, you know, just, just add in some more voices, give voices to, I mean, give voices out there that I think deserve a platform and need to be heard, uh, compared to the, well, let's call it. I mean, I was at, so this week I was at uh, Liberty forum this weekend. I should say I was at the New Hampshire Liberty forum. Uh, which uh, I announced a few weeks ago that I would be speaking in it. And I was uh, I was on a panel. Of course, Stephanie was on the panel as well. Um, And I will be releasing. Actually, I I got an independent recording of the audio for that panel. I'll be releasing that on Patreon. And of course, if you want to become a patron, you just go to SovereignTech.com. Okay. Um, And I'll tell you, you know, like like I listened to some. I mean, there were some talks there that were, you know, amazing. I caught some of the talks. There were other talks there where I mean, look, everybody's different. I'm not I'm not insulting the, you know, New Hampshire Liberty Forum itself. I'm just saying, you know, some of the speakers, I was like, wow, you you know, you're a goof. (laughs) And I'll talk about it more during, you know, during the the, the hotel room uh, part of of this episode, which will be up in just a couple minutes. Um, I think a lot of times uh, the wrong people in this game of, you know, individual freedom, which Sovereign Tech, yeah, it's a tech show, it's a science show, but it's so much about individual freedom. You know, it, I mean, it really, really is. I mean, that that's because that's what I'm going for in my life. It's about happiness. It's, it's it, you know, it's a hedonist show. I mean, it really, you know, hedonist as an ethical hedonism. It's a hedonist show. There's, I've never, I've never, you know, like shied away from that fact. Okay. Uh, but a lot of times I think the wrong voices kind of get propped up in the various channels that Sovereign Tech frequents, even though it's much bigger than, I th- in my opinion, just about any other regular channel. I mean, we're, you know, there's the thousands and thousands of you now, obviously. Um, but anyway, so I'm happy to give platform to people who I don't think always get platforms. Now, Liberty Forum was very gracious. In fact, uh, the, some of the, the organizers, the people that helped put it all together and everything, uh, personally came up to me and came up to others. They came up to, uh, of course, Stephanie, they came up to Brett Vinat. They came up, you know, and, and they said who Brett was also on the panel with us. Um, and they said, Hey, we just want you to know how much we appreciate you and, and how important it is. We think that you're here. And I mean, they were just incredibly, incredibly gracious with us. So I'm not complaining about Liberty Forum. I'm not saying necessarily the Liberty Forum is doing anything wrong. Um, but I think that a lot of people in what 
what you'll hear described in this episode, because, again, this show is a lot more about a lot more than what's known as libertarianism. I don't even really identify with that term so much uh, or, you know, it's it's bigger than New Hampshire. Frankly, it's bigger than, you know, like any, any of these different aspects that you'll hear us talking about throughout this episode and or what's known as the liberty movement. Um, I'm not saying it's bigger as in it has more numbers. I'm saying it's bigger as in like its outreach is meant for much more than just that. OK, it's not niche in that way. That's what I mean by that. And a problem that I often have is that people, the people that comprise the liberty movement, again, I'm not saying liberty forum. I'm saying the people that comprise the liberty movement uh, venerate the wrong people. I mean, and this has been, you know, if you've listened to Sovereign Tech for a few years, you, believe me, you, you've heard my rants about some of this shit sometimes, and it just drives me nuts. Uh, but anyway, we will, you know, we'll talk about that. But Sovereign Tech, I want this to be the place where I think the voices that are really important you know, that when it comes to individual freedom, tech, science and all that and people that that engage in critical thinking and what you'll hear about a lot in this episode, questioning authority, which is an incredibly important thing, regardless of what field or what niche you're appealing to in podcasting or any other part of life. Uh, you know, that they get to speak up and here it is, baby, and, I, and I'm so honored uh, that they want to be a part of it and they feel comfortable being um, a part of it. You know, and I, I could spend a whole hour just talking about that. All right. But. Regardless, I'm glad it's here. I'm gonna, this episode is going to be a ton of fun. Um, I again, I was really, you know, when I went, to, I'll just give you a little bit of personal uh, of how it went to, at Liberty Forum, and I'll come back with some other custom audio at the end because this was this episode was recorded, like I said, in a hotel room woo, uh, with my H6. Okay, so the audio quality isn't the usual, isn't necessarily like what you're hearing right now, where it's, um, you know, I'm in the studio and I'm, and, and, you know, I have this whole big setup. Okay, this was just, you know, an H6, which is a very nice mic, uh, you know, set. I mean, it's pretty much a portable studio, you know, set up in the room and everybody's just, you know, talking and having a good time. So you hear chair sounds, you hear Stephanie making tea, you hear all this different stuff. But I, I like that. I, I like that that kind of loose show uh, every once in a while. It doesn't need to be every week, but. You know, every once in a while, I think that that's a lot of fun. And, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more of those in the future um, with myself and co-hosts involved. So but just a little personal take on Liberty Forum. Um, I mean, there was like it was definitely blockchain slash cryptocurrency heavy, especially on Saturday. Um, I caught some of those talks, uh, of course, saw the the amazing Paige Peterson uh, and, of course, longtime friend and longtime friend of the show, certainly, uh, and very much been a part of the show. <laughs> uh, you, you may know her as Pixel. Woo! Uh, but anyway, she was awesome, um, and she even gave a talk on Zcash, which, of course, I'm a fan of Zcash. Uh, without Zcash, it wouldn't have Sovereign Tech sponsors and cash, quite frankly. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and Zencash is, has no problem in, in, in admitting that. Uh, so, you know, that, that was interesting. Um, like I said, some of the talks, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily name names right now. Uh, but I was like, Oh, what the fuck are you, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about some of that. Uh, you know, again, like I said, when we get to the hotel room, uh, part of the show, but I really felt, you know, as, as much as a guy who, who doesn't engage in politics whatsoever, um, and who doesn't, um, you know, I don't fit in, I think, with the normal mold of, a, of what's known as a free stater because Liberty Forum is a is an event held by the Free State Project, which you can find out about at freestateproject.org, which I am technically a participant of. OK, meaning that I moved to New Hampshire. Personally, I moved from New York. I moved to New Hampshire to uh, in, engage in the process of getting more liberty in my lifetime. And, and that's there's a lot of technicals around that when it comes to the Free State Project. But I'll let you read up about that. But it's, you know, this idea of intentional communities and all that are certainly something I've been talking about for years on Sovereign Tech and that excite me quite a bit. Um, 
So anyway, uh, I felt very welcomed uh, at Liberty Forum. Um, I there was a lot of I met patrons, uh, Sovereign Tech patrons there who, who you know who came up to me, uh, listeners who came up to me, um, everybody that either talked. There's people that I hadn't seen in a in a little while, maybe that I had first met even when I came to New Hampshire and all that, and they were very gracious with me. In fact, one guy who I, I just love, he <laughs> I hadn't seen him in years. And he, you know, he sits next to me. Um, I was uh, we were just getting done watching uh, Lynn Albrecht uh, talk, which, uh, of course, she's dynamite. And you'll hear more about that in the show. Um, and he, he just says, he says, man, he's like, you you are a story. He's like, you are a success story. He says, you come here, you're living out of your truck. Next thing you know, you're dating like the, like the hottest woman in, in, <laughs> in New Hampshire, of course, meeting Stephanie. I mean, that's kind of how he said it, it wasn't the exact words, but uh, he's like, he says, and now he's, he's like, and you're some kind of rock star. Like now you're some kind of rock star. And I just I, I, like I almost wanted to cry. I thought that was just so sweet, you know, of, of him to say. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I, again, I was treated very graciously there. Uh, there was another point where there were some blockchain projects kind of getting pitched to me. And the irony was, is that, you know, they're very, very marketing heavy. And like the person standing next to me you know, pre- pretty much said to the, to the person, you don't know who the hell you're talking to. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was really great to, to, cause I've talked about this in the past on Sovereign Tech. It was really great at, you know, kind of my hometown events as it were in New Hampshire, you know, just, just to get some of the recognition and everything. And I, and I, I really appreciated that. Um, so I had a great time this, this weekend for me of Liberty Forum. Um, I, I had a fantastic time. Uh, you know, bottom line and, you know, got to see some great people, got to see some interesting talks, got to see some not so interesting ones. Uh, and and it, it was just it was it was absolutely wonderful. And uh, I think a lot of things may spring from uh, uh, some of the connections and other th- other things done and made at, um, you know, at Liberty Forum. So very exciting, all of which has to do with the tech world and science and all that stuff. So uh, like I said, this is a special episode. So, you know, like it may not be everybody's flavor that is always here wanting me to talk about blockchains and whatever else. Uh, but I think that I think this is just an, uh, an awesome freewheeling conversation that has a lot to say, uh, things that I don't really ever hear get talked about anywhere else. And we're going to get into panpsychism. What the fuck is panpsychism? Oh, baby, uh, <laughs> you got to listen to it to find out. So and I will uh, I'll come back at the end of this with, uh, you know, with some more uh, audio from the studio, as it were. And then we'll uh, we'll ride the show out. So anyway, enough of my yapping. Let's hear from uh, woo, the ladies. <laughs> Let's hear from Stephanie and Ellen and myself in just one of my favorite conversations that I've ever really had. Um, this was such a good time at Liberty Forum 2018 uh, and from a hotel room, baby. Woo. <laughs> nice view, too. It was, it was really it was great. Uh, so check it out. And uh, like I said, I'll be right back uh, at the end of this. Woo. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. All right, break, break. <laughs> Got to tell you about something, okay? Uh, I here Sovereign Tech sponsor time because this is something you're going to want to check out, especially if you're maybe you're new to crypto and you're not sure where to start. Here's where you start. If you want to start investing in cryptos without you having to do any of the busy work, Check out Helium. That's H-E-L-E-U-M. Check out Helium, a long-term savings accelerator powered by Uphold.com. Helium watches conversion rates between cryptos and fiats for you so it can convert your funds when the time is right. It's all automatic. This does it. You just add funds to your Helium or to Helium from your bank or digital wallet and you're done. Again, the rest is completely automatic. Check it out. Check out Helium. Let your money move you. 
Sign up today. Go to helium.com slash sovereign. Make sure you use that slash sovereign, okay? That's H-E-L-E-U-M dot com slash sovereign. And I can't thank them enough for sponsoring this unique content, that being Sovereign Tech. Woo! All right. Now, let's really get to the hotel room with just two of the most amazing ladies I've ever known. Woo! Here we go. Woo! The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, here for uh, a fun little episode that I promised last week. I said, you know, I got something special. I guarantee it's going to be a great time. And, well, you don't want to make too many guarantees in life, but... Considering who I'm joined by, I feel very confident in making these kinds of guarantees. And I actually got a little bit of an announcement to make in a minute. But um, I am being joined. We are at Liberty Forum. I am in a hotel room with two of the most amazing women. I am with the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Hello. Of course, who was recently announced as a full-on Sovereign Tech co-host. I mean, I, I really should be a co-host. Fine. I, it yeah, was it was kind of automatic, yeah. right? Right. But anyway, but I'm also being joined by the amazing Ellen Ball, who, yeah, welcome to the show. Woo! Woo yeah. <laughs> and let's make the announcement. I mean, you are also, I mentioned uh, in previous episodes and also on Patreon, I said, yeah, I've got another like official co-host that is going to be joining the show that's going to be. Uh, you know, we'll see what frequency it's going to be, at least once a month or so, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but that means that probably once a month, we're going to have an episode where it's going to be me. It'll be the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and official co-host now, Ellen Ball. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! <laughs> Welcome to the Sovereign Cabal. Yeah. I'm part of the Cabal now. Right, you are, so. you're official member of the Cabal. I you've always been part of the Cabal, yeah. but... Yeah. And now it's just like you now have a title official. within the cabal. Yeah. You've been promoted. Do I get a surname <laughs> for that? Like for joining the cabal? Do you guys have a special like family name? Oh, oh. Um, we need to come up with no. that. Um. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you because this is a thing that happened. Like in, uh, so we are at Liberty Forum, which of course is a libertarian conference. Um, one one of the ones that I actually enjoy more than some of the others because it's at a hotel. And so you can kind of relax, and I enjoy the winter personally. But a thing that was popular in libertarianism a few years ago was, like, people would all take on, like, somebody's made-up, like, liberty last name. Oh, yeah, they would name. say that their real last name was their slave name. And yeah. And they would change it to either... And it was so unoriginal, because it would always be either Freeman, or Voluntarist Freeman, or Rothbard, or Spooner. Right. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, your name, Brian, your stage name, Brian Sovereign. Yeah. I made up... Yes. Because people... You bestowed would, Sometimes me. people would change their name to like Sovereign Freeman or some shit like that. <laughs> and I'd be like... Brian was trying to think of a stage name and I was helping him. We were brainstorming one day. I was like, Brian, you should call yourself Brian Sovereign, but spell it like S-O-V-R-Y-N. Right. Would be, <laughs> because then, you know, the muggles won't be able to tell that it's necessarily a liberty thing. Yeah, and yeah. it'll be different than everybody else, all those other liberty fucktards out there. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was kind of cool. It almost looked Vulcan, like the way it was spelled and everything. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, I can dig that. I'm into that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, so fortunately, what I, my point in bringing all that up was that nobody's really taken on the name Sovereign as far as I see. Now, I don't know if that's fortunate. I mean, if people wanted to, who the hell am I I mean, to I guess them, it would but... work for me, like Stephanie Sovereign. But that'd be pretty amazing. I don't know. I've always liked using my my 
full name, Stephanie Murphy. Yeah. You know, I, I like it. My parents gave that name to me. I'm proud of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Ellen Sovereign? I don't know. No. <laughs> it sounds like you guys are married and yeah, we're not. Yeah, so. yeah. That okay. would have a strange connotation. Agreed. I mean, it sounds right. great. Speaking right. of libertarian right. events, I always get asked... I have Bob Murphy is an economist in the libertarian yes, uh, world. Yes, very famous. No relation to me. Like, I mean, I'm sure maybe there was a distant relative back in Ireland 300 years ago or something. Sure, but sure. like, there's really no immediate relation to him. And everybody, whenever we're speaking at the same conference, they're always like, "Oh, is he your wife? Are you his sister? Are you his daughter?" <laughs> like, and so I call him my sister wife because I just <laughs> it gives me some control over the situation. I've been guilty of doing that before. I think I asked you one time <laughs> if he was your father. <laughs> I was like, well, it makes sense. They're both brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so this is really exciting. The the Sovereign Cabal, as it is, or the Sovereign Tech Cabal, which isn't... I didn't come up with that. That's something the listeners came up with, that term for everybody that's kind of worked with Sovereign Tech or been on Sovereign Tech in the past. Um, it's growing, and now, uh, actually, there's a total of three co-hosts, because I have another co-host who is working with me on the Star Wars update that I do every month on Patreon, um, and that's a very exciting thing. Patrons already know all about that, um, but, you know, you got to be on board with Patreon to hear that kind of stuff, and maybe Ellen will get to join us for some Patreon content here and there as well. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really exciting. I, I reached out to you, Ellen, and you were just ecstatic, you know, and, and I'm really honored by that. Yeah, I was very excited. I mean, I've been a supporter of your show for quite a while oh yeah I mean, a listener for even longer so uh to be asked to be a part of it was i don't it was just ecstatic to me it was thrilling it was like now i get to take part in creating it instead of just absorbing it yeah i mean and and if people are wondering i mean you've been on the show in the past so they can certainly listen back and hear you know your personal brilliance of course um mm -hmm. but you know like i mean you're a full-on i mean this is the beauty of it is that at least once a month i get to do a show with two real scientists you know like the real deal and you know sovereign tech is a show all about science and technology how it can help you set you free and all of this uh so it's, it's perfect Every, everybody here has all the credentials I could possibly want out of anybody. Not that they need it, because honestly, we're you know we're all just great friends, and that's it's fun as hell to just do a podcast with friends, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so, the best. <laughs> um, do you need help with that? <laughs> Thank you. I got it. Um, okay. I would love it if you would open the jar for me because it would turn me on. But um, you know. <laughs> she doesn't you need know. your muscles. I don't need a man. Own. I can do it all. I can do anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to uh, make some more tea, though, so uh, you guys can talk amongst yeah, yourselves. Yeah, 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 go ahead, actually. Go so ahead. So I'm just going to do that. Sure. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a faster, well, not a fast, but this is going to be a more loose show because it is a hotel room show, which we did a hotel room, kind of an epic hotel room show years ago from Las Vegas, and we had uh, MK Lords was on with Stephanie and I. And oh, that was my favorite. Hi, MK. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, MK is the Sovereign Tech producer herself. She's she's fantastic. Uh, and that that was a lot of fun. And that episode also played it. You know, we're, we're just relaxed and, and doing what we do. So if you hear things in the background, that is the sounds of a hotel room, folks, and, uh, and deal with it. But anyway. That's the sound of tea being brewed. That's the sound <laughs> of life. Yeah, Stephanie's just jumping in. She's, she's the best. Uh, she's just hopping back and forth. Like, yeah, yeah. Like a little... Uh, little baby goat or something <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway uh the the new intros that were released last week um, we won't be playing those in this episode so this is just going to run right through we're not going to do segments or anything particular uh as far as that goes but um 
But of course, both of these ladies were involved in that, and I think they turned out phenomenal. And uh, Ellen, we. You've yet to hear them as of this recording, and so right. we're going to change that uh, it, at some point here. You know what sure. I ahead. would love to hear is, um, so you have you have a SoundCloud page. Yes. Um, and you you also have a section on your SoundCloud profile that contains all of the Sovereign Tech Universe stories. Right. But it also, like, they're interspersed in the show itself. So something that I've always wanted to hear is somebody is somebody should like cut out just the intros and and just the bits of the storyline and put them all together. I would love to hear that. It's like a pure movie that plays through uh, the entire storyline, and it's just that no show interrupting it. Right. I mean, that would does be that it went in his specials in the Soviet really? Tech specials. So yeah. so in Soviet Tech too. Now you can't hear like. Two or three of the latest ones aren't included in that, but you do get to run through a good gamut of them doing so. But yes, I think that that would... I'll have to do that again, because we've got a holiday special that has to get released soon, and maybe I'll run them all through in that. Because now, like... In fact, last time I tried doing that, it, it took up almost like an hour on its own. I mean, that's how many there there have been. Um and, of course, I think the best ones have been really ever since I've... I mean, Stephanie does great work. Stephanie, for years, was doing, like, four or five voices for all these different characters. <laughs> and then, finally, you know, Ellen, you were so gracious to, uh, you, you know, to join in the fun. Um, and, you know, once we got more people involved, then it was really, really cool. Uh, yeah, having all the different characters really added to the color of the story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Stephanie's great at playing voices, and I could tell some of them you were playing too. I yes, think Stephanie's yeah. voice is awesome, but I don't think it goes that deep. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but uh, but yeah, people can check those out if you go to the website zog.email. You can find actually as you scroll down the site, you can find a lot of the fictional episodes, and you'll get to hear some of the old, the classic intros as well when uh, uh, when those come up. But, um, but those are a lot of fun. Got a lot of great response from those. I'm glad people are enjoying those. Um, it had been a while since I'd had the chance to really work on them just because of the schedule, my schedule in 2017. So, but now things are a little more relaxed. And so that's why I get to bring on, you know, such amazing people and get to hang out and everything, uh, you know, for episodes now and in the future. Um, so... Anyway, why don't we start talking about... Boy, did, I don't know if we heard that toilet flush. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, there's toilets around here. Yeah. <laughs> like we mentioned earlier, it's a hotel room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, why don't we start talking about... So we are at Liberty Forum. This is day two of Liberty Forum. Um, and... Uh, you, you actually, Ellen, you had been volunteering and so you were, you know, kind of working with some of the speakers and you got to see, I think a lot more talks than I got the opportunity to. Um, but I guess I'm curious, like, what is your, what was your favorite talk, uh, that you've seen so far? And I don't and, you know, give me a general gist of your thoughts about Liberty Forum, you know, because I think, uh, you know, maybe people, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll be here every year, like last year I missed it. But, uh, you know, you never know who you can see when you come to these events. So, anyway, I mean, what, what do you think about Liberty Forum and what was your favorite talk? Oh, well, Liberty Forum in general, I think it's a great idea because, um, you know, there are plenty of people in the Free State Project itself. And the Free State Project sponsors this event. Right. Um, I think they produce it. So, um, like, even within that group itself, there's, uh, you know, there's thousands of people. And there are hundreds of them that have... Uh, the speaking ability and they have ideas 
and they want to share them with people, and this is a perfect place to do it, even if, you know, their ideas are maybe not the most popular amongst everyone. And right. Nobody's going to agree on what's good and what's not. But, like, uh, being a volunteer, I was able to see four talks yesterday. Okay. Um, and of the four, there's quite a, quite a good variety, uh, spanning from, like, legislation about, uh, like, unschooling and homeschooling to uh, the Boston Free Speech Rally. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite speech of all, of course, was from Lynn Albrecht, and she, every time she speaks, I, it's, I get so close to crying, because her story is, is really incredible and touching, and just seeing her, like, continuously go to these events and get up on stage and tell people her son's story and the facts of the case and, and plead and, and ask for help and uh, really just put on, like, an awesome display of love for this person. Like, it's so touching. And- yeah, she's really courageous. Um, I've had the pleasure of, of working with her at various points um, over the years, and, I mean, she just doesn't stop, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's amazing. And she gets harassed. Like, I mean, and, and look, it's folks, it's not just the government either that harasses her. There are a lot of other people that, like, I mean, are really... For whatever the reasons are, you know, uh, uh, see free the Free Ross. Uh, I don't want to say movement, but the Free Ross campaign as uh, as a target. And it's really sad when 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 that kind of thing happens because, I mean, this is just one of the most dynamite women, and this is a guy who you know really doesn't you know it doesn't certainly doesn't deserve what he's getting. In fact, that was one of the things. So I was at this talk as well, um, and uh, you know, because I'm, I'm how could you you know want to miss. Lynn talking to me, come on. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, in fact, she's she's asked often or offered often to to be on this show. And maybe at some point, I had her on during Porkfest, but maybe at, at some point in the future we'll have her on. She can give a fuller update. Um, but one thing, you and I, Ellen, were talking, um, you know, off mic earlier, and that really stood out was she broke down when she was giving her talk. She broke down... Like the amount, all the other people involved with the Silk Road case, which is what the Free Ross campaign's all about, um, and how nobody got nearly the sentence or the amount of time or whatever that Ross uh, Ross Albrecht ended up getting. Like not even close, right? Because he's getting he's getting double life plus forty years. That's that's his uh, sentence. So but go ahead. If yeah, you want to talk about no, that. that's that's true. Um, there's nothing comparable to his sentence as far as the other people involved in the case. I mean, uh, the, we were just talking about this yesterday. The guy who started uh, Silk Road 2.0, he didn't even go to jail. No, he was, yeah, he was like uh, held for 16 days, and that's about it. And there's no sentence. He's not, he, you know, and Silk Road 2.0 was, you know, eons bigger than Silk Road 1 was. Oh, yeah. Supposedly right. they sold four times more drugs sure, than the exactly. original Silk Road. And, um, yeah, he, he was hardly punished at all. And I, I wonder uh, to what extent that is due to the fact that, um, you know, the government already has their figurehead. Like, they got Ross. They gave him the worst punishment imaginable, which is a death sentence just drawn out over his entire lifespan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and she listed off others, like, um, I mean, like, guys, because her point was is that the, the judge seemed to be making the case that, well, this is about selling drugs. This is the problem. The problem is that drugs were sold. Okay, well, then how come the people that were convicted and we know, I mean, I don't have a problem with, you know, well, whatever, the drug war is bullshit. Okay, let, let's make that clear. But 
anyway, the people that they know who are like the guy who was selling the largest seller of meth on the website was he's only getting 10 years. Only 10 years. You know, if, if I mean, this is the point is that if it's about the drugs, then how about the people that literally were selling the drugs? Why aren't they getting a harsher sentence than uh, than Ross was, you know? And it's an interesting point to bring up. Um, but Ellen, I, I think you raise another point, and it's one that uh, when, when this case really started heating up and, and was going down in years past. Um, but your point is, is, is solid. I think that, that what this is really about, it's really not about the drugs. It's about a figurehead. It's about somebody that the government needs to make an example of um, that, hey, you know, you, you, we can't allow people to have like their own, uh, even just their own market, you know, their, their own, you, you can't have a free market like, yeah. online that, that, that we don't get a cut of and things like this. And that was part of her presentation too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of Lynn's slides had a quote from, uh, I think it was the judge presiding over the case, but she said something like, um, there, there have been emails that she's read and comments that say, uh, that every sale that happens on the Silk Road is a victory over the oppressors, and that's a dangerous idea. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's he, so he's being he's part of his sentence was because of ideas. That's scary. Exactly because uh, another thing that she said was that um, she doesn't think that he's let go of his philosophy, and that's really what this, wow. this case was about was the philosophy of trying to escape the oppressors and. Uh, getting away from the government control of markets and being able to interact with people in a way that uh, is, un uh, well, for the most part, private. Um, and the government can't exactly capitalize on it. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was, again, a really powerful talk, great points made. Um, the lo- the logic of the situation is completely on Ross Albrecht, Lynn Albrecht's side. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the way. But that just goes to show this isn't about logic. This isn't about, you know, this is this is just, this is show business. This is, you know, public theater to, yeah. uh, uh, you know, to send a message to anybody else that would ever want to try, you know, you just Something try doing business yeah. without the government and you see what happens. And I, I really feel that that's kind of the, the, the centerpiece. I mean, there's other parts to it too, sure. You know, I wouldn't make, I wouldn't boil it down to such a complex situation to such a simple uh, uh, notion. But... Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. So, Stephanie, I mean, do you have any thoughts on the on the whole Russ Albert case that you'd, you'd want to share? I mean, I just think it's so touching and so beautiful how Lynn continues to advocate for him. I mean, she like there are people who their kid goes to prison and they they forget about their kid, they disown them or whatever. They oh yeah, they almost agree with the system, and that must be the most hurtful thing for a child to experience, you know, or for. An adult child. Well, and how many parents, honestly, how many parents would, if they found out their kids were even enabling, not saying Ross sold drugs, but if they just enabled the situation to happen, would they be like, oh, my evil child? You know, and as where she is not that at all. She's like, no, 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 no. Or or the parent would just be afraid that they would somehow get caught up in it themselves. If they they even expressed support for the child, they would be too afraid to speak out. But Lynn is fearless. And I mean, that just shows that... A, a mother's love, a parent's love, you know, transcends all this, you know, what a, whatever the current laws are, right? Like, she's trying to do the right thing, what mm-hmm. she believes is the right thing, which is to stick up for her son. And, you know, that trumps any fear that she might have that, you know, she could suffer consequences or whatever. And I just think that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, It's such absolutely. a powerful bond that yeah. they have. 
Yeah, yeah, it's really something. And uh, Ross uh, wrote a letter. He does this often, or not, I don't know about often, but he does it for some conferences where he will give his mother, uh, or give Lynn a, a letter to read, um, uh, you know, to the attendees and everything. And, and he, I guess this has been a very commonplace thing for any time she comes to a Free State Project, which is New Hampshire, uh, a Free State Project event like Liberty Forum or Pork Fest or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was almost welling up, like, hearing that, you know, re- him reading that letter. And it was just, it was really, it was really sweet for him to say, like, I know that where she is, where, you know, saying where Lynn was right now, which is, you know, here in New Hampshire, that that's where my community, you know, you're my community, that's where my community is and everything. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really awesome, too, because, um, and I think it speaks to a broader aspect of Liberty Forum or, or well, of what can be here at these kinds of events. Like, you know, I saw other talks where I wholeheartedly disagreed with what was being said. Like, I, I just, I, I wanted to, you know, like, like in my usual Golden Stallion fashion, take the stage, grab the microphone, say, what the fuck are you talking about? Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I like to see that sometimes. Yeah, well, please, please do. At some point, someone will push me far enough where I'm just going to hear the most asinine thing come out of these people's mouths. And At least take over the Q&A session. Go yeah. up there with your wrestling belt and, you know, yeah, just, just seriously. right over your shoulder. Don't you know who I am? I'm the podcast champion. I'm the Golden Stallion. And I'm here to say you're wrong. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> that's what the Q&A sessions are for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Most I, I've people done, do that. Yeah, I've done it before. Like, years ago, I've, I, I've done that. And I don't know. Stir anyway. the pot. Come on. All right. All right. All right. I, I have, yeah, two of my favorite people in the world are, are goading me, so now I have to do it. Right, it's fine. <laughs> but anyway, my point being is that I hear utter nonsense come out of these people's mouths. Uh, but, you know, we, we can all still get along. We can all just hear it and like, okay, I disagree. And, and you move on, you know. But there is kind of that baseline of at least, and I think this is the thing. And this is the thing that that I think a lot of people can miss and, and get lost on the matter. Is that at the very basis, like concepts of freedom, liberty, anarchism, whatever, is just about questioning authority. And, and you know, and it's not... Again, the, the statement questioning authority isn't about are you right or wrong. It's just, no, it's about questioning authority. Mm-hmm. And if we all have that baseline, that we're all at this point, we're like, no, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. No, I don't like that. You know, or, you know, like this, the, the status quo is just absolutely fucking unacceptable. And if you're going at the, with that attitude, I have something in common with you. It doesn't matter if we agree with politics or good or bad. It doesn't matter if, we, you know, as long as, we're, as long as we're in that search perhaps for the truth uh, or reality, then uh, awesome, and that can happen I here. Like, I like that you said it that way, the search for, for reality or the search for the truth, right? Because mm-hmm. we're all, I mean, I, I hope we're all looking for the truth, right? And we're trying Some of to, us are. Trying to yeah. discover yeah. it. <laughs> Some of us are, right. But, I mean, when you were saying that, like, question authority, like, questioning authority is great, but you might, you have to be open to the fact that you might come out with the answer that, yeah, the authority could be right in what they're saying, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who say, you know, question authority, question everything, but they are not open to the fact that what the authority is saying could be the truth. And they just sit, take it, like, for example, the government says don't smoke, smoking's bad. So therefore, the, some people think, because the government says it's bad, smoking must be actually good. Which is you know. messed up and backwards. That's a really good point. <laughs> right, or that the government says the earth is a sphere, so, you know, oh um, oh. And like, we have to deal with these jackasses that, that are saying this thing's flat. Right. That the well, earth we're is flat. just globe heads. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, 
So, like, if do you see what I mean, though? Yeah, I understand. There are people who who say question authority, but they're not actually questioning authority. They are just taking the opposite of whatever authority says, and they almost, to me, I think those sorts of people almost have more in common with the people who don't question authority and accept unquestioningly what authority says. The truth seekers are really in the middle. The the two types that I just described are on the opposite. They're at the ends of the horseshoe, you know, (laughs) and they're closer than they think. It's the thing, like people like flat earthers, earthers, they're not questioning authority. They're they're just, they they are reacting to whatever gets told to them by, by, you know, by an authority or something. That's not right. really questioning. By an anti-authority it, authority figure. Yeah, that's yeah. just pretty much right. That's just another form of authoritarianism sure. is just going with the default opposite of whatever somebody else says. I mean, like, that's really not, that's what I'm, that's why I said that questioning authority isn't about being right or wrong. It's just about genuinely questioning. Totally. You know, like, yeah. that's, that's what people miss in that statement. I think it can be a starting point, like, where, where you know, when you embrace that attitude of, you start to realize it's important to question authority and then you start getting into the whole, okay, well, whatever authority says must be wrong. I think that can be sort of a starting point or a stepping stone towards becoming a, an actual truth seeker who is open sure. to all possibilities. Absolutely. But some people get stuck at that stage and they never get out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Ellen, I mean, what do you say? So, I mean, I think that's a really good point. I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. Like some people, they, they take a piece of information that's been fed to them their entire lives by some authority figure and they go to the extreme opposite because they like being oppositional because it makes them feel free and edgy or whatever. Mm. Um, but they don't really follow through with the exploration of what's in the middle because there's a whole range of answers to, to everyone's questions. And um, just going to the opposite answer, uh, that that is just turning to another, uh, albeit maybe like non-traditional authority figure. Um, but I think that events like Liberty Forum are perfect for uh, exploring that field of ideas uh, because so many people are here with opposing positions and sometimes new ones they've never even heard before. Um, <laughs> and they're not all right, but that's it's still worth exploring and considering. And uh, that's why I see value in events like this because like, I didn't like most of the things I heard yesterday, but I mean, it was still interesting to hear it. And, and you know, it, if you can like challenge yourself in that sense, uh, you know, expose yourself to ideas that you're not yeah. really sure about mm-hmm. and, and see like, well, why am I not sure about this? Uh, that's that's still something worth doing. And I think getting people together to to explore that whole range of like, well, what is real and what is true? Um, you know, events like this are kind of, awesome because of that there's there's a certain magic energy about it yeah absolutely and we you know we don't all all have to agree like i mean we don't have to i mean there's multiple you know human existence human condition is so complex it's dare i say quantum uh (laughs) i I mean like there's no you you know it's not ones and zeros it's not binary it's not this is right this is it's not always this is right this is wrong there's a lot of options there's a lot of different you know ways that people can choose to live um but I guess at the, at the end of that, you just want to be able to, to do so in peace and not be bothered and not be stopped and, and all that. And maybe that's a that's a major aspect that gets covered here um, as well. So that's fine. But um, yeah, Ellen, I mean, which how many Liberty Forums have you been to now? Um, I've been to three so far, or maybe four, um, because they, they've been doing the Liberty Forum here at the Radisson for how many years in a row? Four? Something like that, because it was at the Crown National before. Then there was one year where there was no Liberty Forum. I think that was about five years ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, 
I missed that one. Yeah, <laughs> as we all did. The first one I went to was the Crown Nashua, uh, uh-huh. and then I missed last year. So I've been to four total. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we usually, didn't get to last year's either. Yeah, yeah. So four total. I mean, uh, you know, how do, it sounds like you have a, a fairly positive view view of the event. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the first time I've ever done volunteer work for Liberty Forum. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the past years, I've you know I've interspersed it with uh, like I'll go to one or two talks per day, and then I'll spend the rest of the time just socializing and walking around. And that in itself is fun, because there's some people that you only see, like, you know, twice Twice a year year, when you go to the Liberty Forum and and Porkfest events. It does have this family reunion vibe to me a little bit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) There's certain people that, yeah, you see twice a year, Porkfest and Liberty Forum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Stephanie, now you're you're the, the real veteran here, for lack of a better term. Um, I mean, you've, I've been to... Four of them? I don't know. Like, oh I, my I, I've gosh. Been f- I, okay, so I have to do a quick count here. So I moved to New Hampshire in 2006. At that time, there was no Liberty Forum. I want to say maybe the first one was 2007. Okay. Um, I popped into that just for like an afternoon, I want to say. Uh-huh. Um, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't go until... Maybe I didn't go to that one. Maybe I think I waited till 2008. So 2008, I, I went... That was my first one. 2009, 10, 11 went. That was the Crown Plaza, Nashua. Yeah. So that was about four of them in that hotel. I think 2012 was the uh, the year that there was no Liberty Forum. 2011. Because 2012 was the first year I went. And so oh, the year previous oh, oh, it wasn't there. Okay, yeah. so then it must have been 11 that, that there was none. Okay, yeah. so then 2012 it was still in Nashua. Right. Um, 2013... Was it up here here at the Radisson yet? I think so. I well, I think I moved to New Hampshire in 2013 in January, um, and that was the first year I went to Liberty Forum. Ah, so. okay. Oh, and so it was must it have been 14, 2014. Okay, right? so Nashua. Okay, so it was yeah. still in Nashua. Okay, so that's like five, like maybe five in Nashua, and then 2014 was was here at the Radisson. We went to that. You and I went, Brian. Yes. Yeah. Um, 2015, we sort of halfway made it because we had friends in town. Uh, was that 2015? Yeah, it must have been. Okay, so that maybe was... like maybe we just jumped out. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. anyway, you've been to quite a few of these. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, the yeah. Story. Last year we didn't make it. 16, yeah. we didn't make it, and then yeah. oh, okay, so we've been a year off, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so you've been to quite a few. So of these. yeah, I've been to like eight or something. Yeah, yeah. like what's your take? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you so, think? Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about Liberty Forum? Like, where does it where does it rank for you? Um, honestly, there's it's it's a weird event because it's, um, <laughs> it's a little I mean, weird and yeah. squeamish. No, I'll tell you why I think it's weird because there's a mix of there's such a mix of people and it always seems to highlight the tensions within the Free State Project like especially at the beginning um, it was like a mix of people so there was like the political people that you know want to go and try to influence the government and the state house in New Hampshire and then you have the non-political people who would show up and you would have the political people accusing the non-political people of like stealing lunches and stuff like that and not paying for them and things like that and it, there was like a lot of tension between sort of like what seemed like two groups of people and right. for a while i guess i was sort of trying to straddle those groups and like kind of fit in with everybody but 
then I realized I really couldn't. Um, and I don't know that I fit in with anybody now. I sometimes I feel out of place. Like there's, I know a lot of people as acquaintances. Um, but as far as good friends, there's, there's definitely some good friends here, but I don't necessarily feel like I fit in with the event as a whole super sure, well. And sure. I've never really felt that way. Yeah, it is an interesting event in that there is it is like widely considered the more political event. Right. Um, and I mean, certainly myself, and I, I don't want to speak for either of you ladies, like like politics, regulations, that sort of thing, like just has, I have no interest in it. No, like that yeah. is not going to increase my happiness quotient. No, that makes, that like repels me instantly. <laughs> Anytime I hear like laws, legislation, government funding, I'm like, ah, yeah. clear that. <laughs> exactly. Although this year they've made it a little bit more focused on cryptocurrencies, which I think is really cool. Yes, um, we will be Forum, catching a talk about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Liberty Forum has always been, um, has always had a cryptocurrency element, I think, since about. 2013, I want to say, when the first Bit- Lamassu Bitcoin uh, vending machine it might even debuted. have been 2012 because it might have been 12. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there because there was a point or where, early 13, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that's important to bring up. Liberty Forum, and we'll we'll talk some tech and science, folks. Don't worry. Um, but there there was a point where Liberty Forum was the largest Bitcoin conference in the world. I mean, because right. because we're you know, I mean, in New Hampshire, everybody was just so far ahead of the game yeah. on on cryptocurrencies. That's right. So it only makes sense that there's that tradition because I mean, really, in many ways, it was first. You know, before there was that big conference in 2013 in San Jose, before there was any of that stuff, um, it was here, mm-hmm. and and it was a big deal, and you had lots of people, you know. You could go down a list of names that were showing up. Charlie Schrem, uh, I mean, like like a bunch of different guys. I think they were, I well, maybe, I don't know if I remember seeing him at Liberty Forum, but he was at Liberty Events for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a great point to bring up um, on that. But I, I hear you. I I mean, that that's, well, I, I think, I think myself, again, I don't want to speak for you ladies, but I mean, myself, like, like I find myself, I don't know what event I could go to where I'd really feel like I fit in completely. Yeah, I agree. I'm not even sure if it would be a liberty event because now like libertarianism has changed so much that, well, I don't know, actually, I'm not sure if it's changed Mm -hmm. because there always was an element that felt really right-wingy and conservative to me. And I never identified with that very strongly. Same. Um, and I don't, I feel that I don't fit in with that. And Liberty Forum in particular always to me sort of feels a little bit more right-wingy. Sure. Um, and, you know, that's, I, I definitely wouldn't go to something like a CPAC, you know. Yeah, right. Or like a, I think I said to you yesterday, like, oh God, I, why do I feel a little bit like I'm at CPAC or something, <laughs> you know. Like, um, not trying to diss the event because it's, I, I mean, I love the organizers and I love the focus on cryptocurrency, but it's just, it almost can't be helped because there are a lot of people here who are interested in politics and they uh, live in this area because that's where you want, that's where you want to be if you want to influence sort of the government of New Hampshire. And that is definitely a major thread in the Free State Project is trying to work through legislative action to create a freer world in New Hampshire. And that that is some people's thing, and they that's what they do. Yeah. And I don't blame them for sort of dominating this type of event, you know. Sure. Um, it, it's just it's not my thing. So, yeah. So uh, it's easy to feel like I don't always sort of fit in. Yeah. I mean, credit to the event. You and I were both speakers this year. 
Sure, which I think yeah, is the first time are. for uh, for for Liberty Forum, or at least that I hosted had. a panel the other year. Oh, the, the, I keep forgetting ago. that yeah. I did. I did do a panel, uh, and that was actually that was really that was a lot of fun. Had mm-hmm. great people on that. Um, uh, Paige Peterson, Allison Macrina, and uh, uh, Jeremy Kaufman was mm-hmm. on there. Um, so yeah, I guess I should say. Yeah, this isn't the first time we've done it, but we but we did speak. So credit to them. I mean, because and, and the person that asked us to speak, Roger Paxton, mm-hmm. um, of the Lava Flow podcast, who's just a sweetheart of a man. Um, he knows exactly how nuts I am. He knows exactly <laughs> that if you put me on a stage, you know, things are going to be said that might make people feel uncomfortable or something. And uh, and no, yeah, it was no problem. Absolutely, yeah. get on the stage. I mean, definitely with talks about cryptocurrency and mesh networking, which was the subject of your panel, right? Uh, and the one years ago, years, this one we did was a media ago. panel. Yeah, yeah, and with Edward Snowden speaking at Liberty Forum yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago. I mean, that definitely helps it be less right wingy. I think. Sure, absolutely. Um, and not focused on, like, New Hampshire kind of Republican-y politics. Yes. But um, there is still sort of a little bit of that flavor, I I guess. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, don't mistake it for that this event is like CPAC or something. It's no, not, not at all. Not it's at all. It's smaller, more intimate, and more diverse. And they're, they're, they've always had the Alt Expo, too. Alt Expo always does their part to make... Free State Project events less right wingy, which yes. is good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I really true. like. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, they show up at Liberty Forum and Porkfest every year. Um, I think there is an Alt Expo this year, but I, I didn't see them having a huge presence. I don't. I was told that they, they didn't show up, or like that they weren't here this year. Yeah, I thought I so, got an I event know. for saying that they were going to be there today. Oh, maybe but, they're here today. Yeah, okay, which is all Saturday. Right. All right, so. well. Whichever. Uh, Ellen, I mean, any thoughts on all that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... As far as not fitting in, I totally understand that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I think we're all, like, we're just three yeah. alien babies. Alien babies, <laughs> yeah. I like but what else is new? Like, I feel like I never fit in anywhere, so... Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even with the weirdos and misfits, I don't fit in. <laughs> yeah. No surprise there. Well, that's kind of how I see Liberty Forum, is a conglomeration of a bunch of weirdos and misfits. (laughs) Yeah. And socially awkward people, and some people who are, uh, like, really kind of, like, obsessively focused on certain things. Um, There's a a mixture of people who are interested in legislation, and um, uh, people who are more interested in, like, free market economics... Um, uh, the way I see it, there's, there's like a weird mixture of libertarians and kind of like right winginess and then also like the super anarchists. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's some people that don't fit into any of those categories. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, talking to someone the other night and they were saying, um, I identify with this group, but not that one and that one. And there's like all these crazy names for like different types of, uh, like anarcho-communist and anarchist and 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 uh, like uh, just all of these labels pouring out and it's really divisive when I like whenever you hear somebody talking about like you know nitpicking I don't identify with that group but this one I identify with um, it just seems like they're really trying to delineate people and put them in boxes and um, maybe that's Maybe that's fair. Uh, maybe there are plenty of people that fit into those boxes, but I've never identified with any of those like labels necessarily, and I don't know if I want to. Uh, I feel about labels. The, yeah, it's an interesting point that, that you bring up. Like, I feel about labels that 
they make sense only if the person you're talking to understands what you mean and is interested in making those distinctions. And otherwise, they're not very useful, you know. Yeah, labels, like, I really feel like at, at their most benign can be conversation starters. Like, oh, what do you mean by that? But honestly, I don't think most people care. Yeah. Like, if they hear you say anarcho-syndicalist, what the fuck is a syndicalist, you know? Like, I think that's what a lot of people would say, and they really don't want to know. Right, you know? but somebody else who identifies as, a, as an anarcho-syndicalist, you know, will understand what you mean. Or, like, if you say, I'm pansexual, another pansexual will know what you're talking about, or somebody who's very aware of, like, sexuality and orientation kind of labels. Right. A geek about that kind of stuff will understand what you mean. But your average Joe on the street will be like, what, so you're attracted to pans? Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> and and the thing is, like, sometimes people have opinions and points of view that can't be summed up by one or two words. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's where, like, the conversation is really important in, like, listening to people and not trying, like, because some people, once they hear that, that label, they're all of a sudden like, oh, you're part of that group. Well, right. I mean, I'm not I'm not part of this group, actually, and, and our groups don't get along, so I can't like you. And that's so unfortunate that uh, that kind of behavior happens. Um, it, it's almost like an assumption that people like to jump to to make it easier to, like, oh, we, now we don't have to have that conversation about what is it that you actually believe and why do you believe that? Yeah, you know, it can be I, useful sometimes, though, because sometimes you don't want to spend a lot of time, like, you know, yeah. you, you find out, in, like, if somebody says, like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a Nazi, you're like, okay, see ya. I'm not going to try to understand <laughs> what you think and ask you questions about that. Well, like, if somebody's waving it with pride, yeah, I mean, obviously they want you to treat, it's almost like they're asking you to treat them you know, under the auspices of what whatever right. they're claiming. They're almost and like pigeonholing themselves or whatever. You know, sure, sure. They don't mind but if people jump to conclusions. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. No, no. I, I think I think the appeal to doing that, to even like claiming oneself as a Nazi or something like that, or the appeal to like what you were saying, Ellen, which I think was, was very sound, that um, like people... They, 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 yeah, they want to get into these boxes and, and that it creates a problem. It's unfortunate that they're in these boxes. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to people are looking to simplify life and nobody wants to accept the fact this shit isn't simple. Like life is not simple. You can't, there aren't just a few terms that you can toss around that somehow explain who and what you are. That's completely impossible. Um, and and it's it's and it's harder today because you know I mean you go catch a talk right and, you know here at Liberty Forum or something you listen to a guy talk for fifty minutes and he gives you his entire worldview somehow if you can give your entire worldview in fifty minutes buddy you don't get it like you you have no idea about how the world actually works um, it is absolutely in my opinion it is impossible to explain one's worldview in one book in you know, one talk in a two-hour podcast in anything. I mean, like, it but takes if you don't time. Try to, okay, so I'll stick up for labels a little bit. Okay. If you don't try to explain your worldview concisely with a label... I've just labeled you as a stick-up for labeler. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll accept that label. You're, you're I'll wear in the that. box. No. I'll wear that with pride. <clears throat> uh, you could label me as pedantic, maybe, or semantic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, if you don't try to explain somehow pithily concisely that you have a different view that is like you have a different view than the mainstream default cultural norms mm -hmm. um people often just assume that your view is in line with the cultural norms and sometimes there's value in communicating that you are not part of the cultural norms even if it doesn't communicate exactly what you're trying to communicate it it at least says something like for example if you say um, if, if you're in a discussion, let's just say, and you're 
like some form of LGBT and someone assumes someone misgenders you or somebody assumes that you're straight or says, I don't know, somebody assumes like that you're basically straight heterosexual, but you're not like if you say, oh, no, no, I'm queer. That doesn't explain exactly what your orientation is, Mm -hmm. but or or maybe your gender because it could refer to either one, right? Queer is a very non-specific term, but it explains that you're not straight. And it gets them thinking, okay, this person isn't what I assumed they were. Sure. Yeah, right? that's a good point. Yeah, but and, and I agree. And and here's the thing, is that I think the useful labels are what a lot of people would tell you, including at events like this, are not the useful ones. Because you hear too many people saying you need to be, you, you know, you need to say what you're for, not what you're against. I don't know that I agree with that. In fact, I brought it up on the media panel that we were, that we were on, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think if you say you're pro-peace, peace means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Right. You know, the UN totally. has a peace force. Mm-hmm. It's a peace force. Like, that, I a mean, that's... A force? That's right. an oxymoron. Exactly. You took the word right <laughs> out of my mouth. That's an oxymoron. It's ridiculous. But a lot of people would see that as a price of peace, as a part of peace. When right. I would say, fucking no way. Yeah. But if you say you're, anti, if you say you're anti-war, mm-hmm. oh, you get it. You know, like like when when you say you're you know when when you more say I think what you're against I think there's a lot more useful usefulness to that I don't agree with this like this this jargon and wordplay mm-hmm. that's saying well the only way you're going to get somewhere is if you if you're telling people what you for what what you are for and all of this right. and, and I just don't agree. What about but, like pro life and pro choice? Like oh, that could it, fucking mean anything. Yeah, right? it, you know, those people, are terrible terms. People sort of know what they mean because the abortion debate has been going on for a while, but like. It's like, okay, everybody, if you just took those labels in isolation and without the context behind them of what they mean in context of abortion rights and reproductive rights, um, you know, everyone would say, oh, yeah, of course I'm pro-choice. And of course I'm pro-life as well. (laughs) Well, it's terrible because... Who could be opposed to life and choice? Well, (laughs) right. That's the thing is that, like, if you're pro-choice... You're actually celebrating life in a way, you know. I mean, like, yeah. So that's that's where labels run into an issue. But I think the the bulk of the time when labels run into issues, it's because they're just far too broad, and that broadness generally comes from saying what you're for and not necessarily what you're against. But and mo- but most labels that are even invented aren't even you know about what you're against. I mean, I, I get the arguments both ways, but yeah, labels are that, that's some funny business. That, you know, if we can kind of steer clear of altogether, well, not altogether, but try to, you know, maybe not rely on so much, I think we'd be better off. Go ahead. And it's just, it's interesting because, like, labels are meant to represent, like, the set of ideas, right? A set of beliefs or or philosophy. Um, But what about actions? Like, do we have, like, like, can you label yourself based on what you do? I mean, because there's so many things that you could do and, like, there's meaning behind it, of course, but, like... The only reason that you have a philosophy is to kind of like give yourself a guide as to like what is good to to act on and what is not. Um, I think there are some labels based on actions, like for yeah. example, yeah, like doers. I, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm a volunteer, or I'm in a helping profession, or I'm a sex worker, or something like that. Right, yeah. and I find those a lot more helpful to understanding a person uh, when when it comes to like you know what a person does with their life. Because there's there's some people here. I don't want to say too many, but like there's some people here that just enjoy the pedantic argument about ideas. Sure, and um, they like <laughs> yes. hardly ever some. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, there's a lot of people here who who do a lot of good and and they um, you know they're very like productive um, and maybe their actions 
uh, could be assigned to like multiple different labels depending on you know what their motivations were. But uh, I just I find it interesting that you know the set of ideas that is represented by labels what people focus on more than um, you know what people are actually doing with those ideas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, I like to see people like taking action, being actionable, and talking about actionable things. You know, which that's where I that's where I can get a. I mean, I can enjoy the the realm of the uh, or you know the arena of ideas as much as anybody else. But at the at the end of the day, like, okay, so what do we do? You know, like like <laughs> like, like, like when it gets to the bottom line, like, all right, but what do we do about that? Mm. You know, and most people don't have answers for those. And uh, not well, that you can, can expect one person or even a, a small group of people to have an answers to solve, you know, life, the universe, and everything. But, um, you know, it helps if at least people are trying to do that and they're not just complaining. Anyway, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, I was just going to say, I can think of a label that Ellen embraces that is about actions, which is vegetarian. Yeah. Right? And vegan, probably, for, for people who are vegans. You know, mm-hmm. that's... It means a lot to many different areas of their lives, not just that they... Often when people are vegans, like, there's a whole political philosophy that comes along with it. It's not just the idea of not eating animal products, you know. It's about caring about the cute faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for some, it's part of, like, um, wanting to, uh, I guess deconstruct hierarchy and exploitation uh in all uh, for all living things including women workers you know animals like there's a lot of like vegan anarcho-communist feminist like radical vegan absolutely like they go together those things go together oftentimes so i i do think it's different when people say i'm a vegan versus i'm a vegetarian Sure. Because vegetarian is often like, oh, so it's usually just a choice, you know, like there isn't often that radical, like anarchist fl- flair that goes along with it necessarily. Yeah, you know? I mean, it depends, like some people are vegetarian just solely for the, the physical benefits. And I think we've talked about this on the, a previous show that I was on, but some people are vegan for uh, the purpose that you were talking about. It's much more far reaching where um, they like... They want to question the sort of hierarchy of of good that people have set up where, like, human life is at the top and then all other life falls below. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that so? Um, that's, that's really interesting. Some people do have, uh, you know, identities that uh, go far beyond just the actions as far as what they believe and, and why they believe it. Mm. Sure. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, actually, this week I think I read something in Switzerland. I think they have to change some of the laws because now they've proven lobsters feel pain. Oh, and, yeah, they, they're they, aware. they banned live boiling of yeah. lobsters. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, just a quick side tangent. I mean, like, in the end, admittedly, like, because if I know something has a degree of consciousness, and that's not even getting into, there's another story in the past couple of weeks about panpsychism, which isn't a new idea, but it's been around for a while that, like, there's little ounces of consciousness, consciousness in literally everything, mm-hmm. like even a spoon. I mean, it's a very weird, I mean, this is getting into serious metaphysical shit, okay? Little ounces of... Can of you, consciousness. Yeah, consciousness. yeah, but, like... Little spoonfuls of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> consciousness is in what, like... Well, that's that's the thing, right? Is that you know what is consciousness and how do you define it? Like, are, you know, is 
is it dualism? You know, like what's your basis for for the for the, the concept of consciousness? Yeah, uh, and that's I mean that could, that's a huge. I actually had the story lined up at some point to to talk about with panpsychism, but so maybe we'll have to save that for the future. I don't know. But my point that I was going to bring up is, I mean, or hell, we could, you know, get into it in a bit. But <laughs> um, my point that I was going to bring up is that, you know, maybe maybe the vegetarians are, you know, might be, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'd end up being right. Because if I found out that shit was conscious, like, I am not, I don't think I'd eat lobster again. You know, like, that. that's, I mean, I have to think about it more. I but mean, like my, lobster, the animal, go ahead. A lobster is a large sea bug with a more developed nervous system than most insects. Right. But does that mean that every time we squish a bug, it feels pain too, and we should just avoid doing that? Yeah. I and mean, some people actually do because it's part of nonviolence, for right? Them, you know, right. But the difference here is that there's something, you know, like yes, everything, like even plants, to a degree, feel pain. It's being aware mm. that it's feeling pain. Like that's that's kind of the like like having having kind of a almost a, a meta awareness of that's what's right. happening, and that's what they're claiming lobsters can do now. Oh wow! Like, like they know that it's pain. Like that they they, they suffer. Yeah, there's a con- yeah, yeah. right. They suffer. There's a concept of that. Right. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, and I ke- I have to keep adding animals to the list that I don't eat. You know, corvids. You know, uh, I mean, uh, octopi and all these other things. Yeah. Um, because uh, that's not okay with me. So who knows? In the future, hell, you know, these people that are that are really sticking to those labels, vegan and vegetarian, they might end up being dead right that that's like the ethical way to go. Because I think that there is an ethical framework around those labels, like you were saying. So, mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, if it was possible to just consume sunlight, I would totally do that. Because <laughs> like I, know that, I know that plants, plants feel pain, like you said, to some yes. extent. Yeah. Uh, they do have a nervous system. It's just different than uh, in animals would be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I could somehow consume energy and get my nutritional needs met without hurting anything, like... That would be awesome. I, I know there are some religions in the world where they uh, don't even walk on grass because they're mm. they're so conscious of uh, every living thing. They they won't squish bugs. They oh won't yeah, Jainism is big on that. And, Jainism, yeah, is that and some others. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's a great point. Now you see, these are the kind of conversations you're not exactly getting at Liberty Forum. <laughs> <laughs> at least not outside of this hotel room. So you know, where's the hot spot here? But. Uh, <laughs> Because that's the big stuff, right? Like, <laughs> that's really huge. Yeah, I'm with you. Just, I mean, like, I'd even go so far as to say, you know, I'd love to live in, in space, partly because that way I'm not, like, interfering with any kind of, you know, biosystem or, or, you know, or ecosystem or anything like that, uh, or biosphere. And, well, anyway, that that's that's getting way out there. But um, anybody have any further comments on that? Otherwise, I want to... Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about that. But... <laughs> well, um... Okay, let, let's let, let's wrap up Liberty Forum. Then maybe we'll, okay. we'll we'll go on to we'll go on to that, uh, and maybe I'll pull up the article. And we can talk about it about panpsychism because I think it's pretty wild. I'm fascinated. I would love to hear about it. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. We'll get. To I it. just um, this is very, on the forefront of my consciousness because I just uh, narrated a, a college course on the psychology of consciousness, and um, it was very interesting and stimulating and taught me a lot. So yeah, I'd love to talk about consciousness. Nice. We were in the shower talking past few days talking about all the different like every day you just come in with so i learned about this yeah yeah it was awesome let me tell you the shower is a place to talk about that stuff right i mean that's where everyone has their best thoughts exactly exactly 
Someone, did we, oh yeah, it was on a relationship rhombus where we talked about couples shower, or more than couples showering or whatever, and that, I think that's awesome. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> but you got to be a patron to get that content, go to SovereignTech.com. That reminds me, okay, while Stephanie is off, uh, she's doing something quickly, um, I do need to get some sponsors out of the way, otherwise I'd be in all kinds of trouble for not mentioning my sponsors. Uh, first one that I'll get out of the way, of course, is Zencash, which nobody from Zencash here, but this is a cryptocurrency space, and I do know that the Zencash team would certainly be on board with everything happening in the Free State Project. In fact, they specifically uh, wanted to, uh, I remember talking to Rob Viglione, who's the co-founder of Zencash, uh, which is a cryptocurrency and an entire crypto platform for messaging, publishing, all kinds of wild stuff. Uh, he specifically said, I want to reach Porkfest libertarians. And in saying that statement, he also meant people at Liberty Forum. So I know he's on board with this stuff, and I'm sure he's loving the fact that we're reviewing the event here. But what I want you to review, what I want you to check out, again, this is no, just like Ellen and I and Stephanie were saying, you know, screw all the politics stuff. This is something that's not politics. You can go straight ahead and start using technologies that just skirt everything and empower you, the individual. That's what we love on Sovereign Tech. So I want you to go to Zencash.com. Or you know, that's where you can find out all about it, read all about it, this incredibly exciting blockchain technology, um, which might even be morphing into so much more. Uh, you can go to Zencash.com or you can go to GetZen.Cash and you can get some free Zencash right now. You're getting money in your pocket totally for free. Why the hell wouldn't you do that? Go do it. Go to Zencash.com. Go to GetZen.Cash if you want to jump on that. And I mean, there's a whole world to explore with Zencash and I really uh, appreciate them sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Now... Another sponsor, maybe, maybe, you know, you're going to take some of your Bitcoin, some of that precious Bitcoin, and you're going to turn that into, you're going to go to some exchange, and you're going to turn that into Zencash. Here's another option that you can do with your Bitcoin. Go to Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, okay? RRBI.co, that's the website. Go hit them up, and they are, you're going to get, it's, it's a smorgasbord of precious metals that you get to choose from. Gold, silver, platinum, palladium, all different styles, all different ways that you want it. Um, they have been a long-time sponsor of Sovereign Tech, maybe the longest-time sponsor of Sovereign Tech, and I'm really honored by that. Um, these are people who get it. They've been at Liberty Forum in the past, certainly. They get the Liberty ideas. They get the tech. They get the whole score. So you want to frequent them. And you can use Bitcoin to get your hands on that precious metals because you want to diversify your holdings. You want to diversify your wealth, your value, your stores of value. And a great way to do that is to take it completely offline with something like precious metals, gold, and silver. So go to rrbi.co. That's the website. Get your hookup. Make it happen. Um, and there are a couple other sponsors I'll have to get to later, but that covers the gamut right now. So anyway, um, Ellen, we, um, we'll get back to the show here. Uh, any, any talks in particular like that, that are happening today? I mean, I, well, you're volunteering, so you can only see what you can see. But, I mean, uh, you know, w were there any, any talks today that looked uh, interesting in the lineup? I haven't even reviewed the schedule for sure, today. Sure, sure. I don't know what's, what's happening. Yeah, Do I you think guys the... have anything planned? Anything that you're excited to see? Why well, not catch the cryptocurrency panel? Yeah. Th that, that'll be, that, and Paige, is, Paige Peterson's going to be on that of Zcash, of course, which, you know, there wouldn't be a Zencash without a Zcash, and mm. they tell you as much. So that's worth listening to. Um, so I will. I think we'll be catching that. Um, but uh, but other than that, today I don't know. We'll see. And, and we have fun. We have fun planned for later. So uh, you know, lots <laughs> of fun. Yeah, yeah, lots of fun. It's gonna be a great time. Uh, but anyway, um, so Stephanie's had to step out just for a few minutes, but she'll be back. So uh, now, after our 
A word from our sponsors. We're here, of course, with Ellen and myself, Woo! the Golden Stallion. And uh, we were talking about, I brought up panpsychism, and Ellen just got so excited about this. Yeah, I was nearly jumping out of my seat. I'm like, what do you mean? Am I sitting on a couch that's aware that I'm crushing it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing with pan... So I'm going to read a little bit from Quartz. Um, but this is the thing, is that they're claiming, like, literally everything. I mean, we, we'd kind of be screwed. Like, if consciousness is that important, we, we... You know, and you don't want to, like, affect anything that has consciousness, I guess it'd be a bit of a problem. That'd be impossible. Right. Because... Everything, like, the whole universe is made of stuff, and you're saying all the stuff is conscious. Like, well, darn, we're going to have to crush some conscious material, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, to break a few eggs and make this an omelet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, how important is our life versus all conscious matter? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, well, let's read some of it, because their, their use of the term consciousness, I think, is a little funny, but I, I get what they're saying. Anyway, so uh, the story is titled, The Idea That Everything from Spoons to Stones Are Conscious is Gaining Academic Credibility. Uh, consciousness permeates reality. Rather than being just a unique feature of human subjective experience, it's the foundation of the universe, present in every particle and all physical matter. This sounds like an easy, easily dismissible bunkum, but as traditional attempts to explain consciousness continue to fail, the panpsychist view is increasingly taking, being taken seriously by credible philosophers, neuroscientists, and uh, physicists, including figures such as neuroscientist Christoph Koch and physicist Roger Penrose. Quote, why should we think common sense is a good guide to what the universe is like, uh, Philip Goff says. Einstein tells us weird things about the nature of time that counters common sense. Quantum mechanics runs counter to common sense. Our intuitive reaction isn't necessarily a good guide to the nature of reality. Uh, David Chalmers, a philosophy of mind professor at New York University, laid out the, quote, hard problem of consciousness, end quote, in 1995, demonstrating that there was still no answer to the question of what causes consciousness. Traditionally, two dominant perspectives, materialism and dualism, have provided a framework for solving this problem. Both lead to seemingly intractable complications. So, Stanley, breaking in here for a second, and Ellen, you're free to comment, you know, on parts of this. Um, this is something that yeah, like I bring up often, you know, like when we talk about uploading human brains to robot bodies, you know, and transhumanism and all these different things, it's like, look, we don't understand consciousness at all. Like, what the hell would we be, would be, would we be transferring over, you know, to these things? Um, and most people suddenly will just instantly come out either with, like they mentioned in the article, this materialist or this dualist view saying that, well, no, but it's this. It's like, yeah, but you don't know that. You know, like that's, that's kind of a theory. We really don't have this licked where, where consciousness exactly comes from. I mean, what do you think about th those statements? Um, yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, if, for example, there was a robot that I could upload my consciousness to, uh, would it... Would it be like I just close my eyes for one second and then wake up in a robot body? Or would it be I die and then something totally different from me goes on existing? Although it's like me. I mean, so there's there's really no way to know or to experience what consciousness is outside of consciousness itself. Like, you can't objectively measure it in any sort of way, I don't think. As, as far as, like, our human consciousness goes. But I think maybe... In the article, the way they're talking about consciousness is more of a memory, mm -hmm. it seems like. Like, uh, if you alter the state of something, it's going to stay altered and continue that way. It's kind of like, you know, Newton's law of, um, you know, an object in motion stays in motion unless right. it's, it's hit by an opposing force or something. Like, 
this this piece of wood right here. I can see that at one point somebody marred it with something. They hit it really hard, and now it's got this little dent in it. Is that what they mean by consciousness, or is consciousness something more of like a, an emergent property where you know we have like billions of neurons and and right. we're all like communicating with each other, giving rise to this like thinking being that can reflect back on itself. Yeah, I think, and, and we'll read more, but I think that's the point that they're going to bring up is that. Uh, consciousness is like isn't is a particle. It's an element. Like it's 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 what like the graviton, something perhaps along <laughs> those lines. You know. Uh, but anyway, let, let's read a little bit more here. Uh, the materialist viewpoint states that consciousness is derived entirely from physical matter. It's unclear though exactly how this could work. Quote: It's very hard to get consciousness out of non-consciousness. Physics is just structure. It can explain biology, but there's a gap. Consciousness. End quote. Dualism holds that consciousness is separate and distinct from physical matter, but that then raises the question of how consciousness interacts and has an effect on the physical world. Panpsychism offers an attractive alternative solution. Consciousness is a fundamental feature of physical matter. Every single particle in in existence has an unimaginably simple form of consciousness, says Goff. These particles then come together to form more complex forms of consciousness, such as human subjective experiences. This isn't meant to imply that particles have a coherent worldview or actively think, merely that there's some inherent subjective experience of consciousness in even the tiniest particle. I got one more bit I want to read, and then we can we can break into this. Okay. Um, panpsychism doesn't necessarily imply that every inanimate object is conscious. Quote, panpsychists usually don't take tables and other artifacts to be conscious as a whole. End quote, writes uh, Hedda Hessel-Mork, a philosophy researcher at NYU. Um, Rather, quote, rather, the table could be understood as a collection of particles that each have their own very simple form of consciousness, end quote. Um, so, in, but then, that, all right, one last paragraph. But then again, panpsychism could very well imply that conscious tables exist. One interpretation of the theory holds that, quote, any system is conscious. Rocks will be conscious. Spoons will be conscious. The earth will be conscious. Any kind of aggregation gives you consciousness. So, but I don't know that that's necessarily the direction that a lot of mainstream philosophers and scientists are, are saying that it is, like that rocks are conscious and all this, but... Yeah, it seems like this article took it in kind of a different direction. So, like, to alter the the kind of, like, uh, definition that I was using earlier, maybe instead of just memory, uh, it seems like what they're saying is also something to do with, like, the, the properties that something possesses, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, t- talking about even the smallest particle has consciousness. If you look at a single atom, for example, like it has a certain number of protons and neutrons and electrons, and they all behave in certain ways. There are laws that govern their behavior. Uh, so when material comes together, um, you know, all of their properties interact to kind of create an emergent property from that. So like a single atom will behave differently than like a whole molecule. Right. You know, like hydrogen behaves much differently than water, which is made of hydrogen and oxygen. So, like, maybe it's saying, maybe this article is saying that consciousness in something is, like, just the the natural state, like, how it expresses its existence. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. Not, I'm, yeah, and to what you were saying, um, like, modern uh, philosophers uh, and, and psychologists and people who reference... Uh, consciousness in things, maybe they mean something a little more uh, mystical? That's usually what I hear when I when I hear something like 
you know, like, inanimate objects are conscious. It's something to do with, like, their past lives is, you know, this table used to be a tree, and the tree was conscious because it was a living thing, and it absorbed some minerals from the ground, and those minerals were created by, you know, like, this exploding star process. So I, I just, I don't know exactly where they're coming from with this, but mm-hmm. it could be either of those two things. Yeah, I think there's a lot of angles that, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different opinions even on what panpsychism can mean, and, and the article started to hint at that. Uh, you, I, I think the basic of what they're saying, or the, base, the basics of what they're saying, is that every, like everything just has this little aspect of whatever the fuck comprises consciousness. You know, and yeah... I guess I could, I could almost accept that, you know. Because, but again, we, you know, it, it all points to the fact that we just don't know where consciousness really comes from, and the mainstream theories don't do a very good job of like, like there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, well, there's a gap, like he was saying, you know, like there's a, there's a, a sort of logical leap you have to take for, okay, wait, how does consciousness come out of non-consciousness, etc. Obviously, the answer isn't God, um, but. Do you have thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. So you're saying that, um, you know, like a little piece of uh, like plant matter by itself, maybe it has a little bit of consciousness to it, but um, if you get a bunch of it together and you condense it and you like turn it into uh, an animal, you know, like animals consume the plant matter and mm-hmm. then they integrate it into parts of themselves, then it becomes a little bit more conscious because it's part of a larger being. And sure. then, like, you know, humans consume that, and they, they gain the whatever nutrition from that, and it becomes part of them. So they're, they're turning something that was less conscious into something that's more conscious. Is that kind of where you were going with that? Yeah, I, I mean, and, and I guess, you know, it might be the difference between, like, an amoeba and a mouse. You know, you have single-celled yeah. organisms, and then you have multi-celled organisms. Like, and there's a degree of complexity that comes along, you know, with that. Uh, and, yeah, maybe maybe just... You can have more of these. I mean, it, it's really weird. Like, like the, the theories. And in fact, I think where a lot of people would take this is they want to run with this. And this is uh, an ancient notion, but also something that tries to get popularized in modern science. You know, that like that the universe is alive. That the universe is like, I mean, that is, is like its own organism. You know, even Carl Sagan would say, make statements to that effect that we're a way of the universe figuring out itself. Um, and that maybe like panpsychism, you know, proves that, that every part of the universe, every single ounce of the universe is conscious. And, but then what, what do you do with that? You know, like, (laughs) like, even if that were true, like, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, what, do you not sit on the couch, you know, because the couch might be aware, might be self-aware or something, Mm -hmm. even though they're, they're, they're saying that there's like, that's only one aspect of panpsychism. There's not everybody thinks that a table is self-aware, but the theory itself does allow for it. Well, maybe, maybe the table is aware, but is that going to change the way you behave? I mean, if, if everything is aware that it exists in some manner or another, um, and and we are just the universe trying to reflect back on itself and figure out what is out there and what mm-hmm. is it's composed of. Um, you know, the universe is expressing itself in like an infinite number of ways then because it's existing in gases and in solids and in living things and non-living things. So if everything is a little bit of consciousness just trying to... Uh, 
reincarnate itself in so many different ways to experience what being is in all these different forms and and shapes and abilities, then, um, you know, who are we to mess with that process? Why not just uh, exist as we are and do what what is most natural to us? Because Mm -hmm. uh, if we do that, then we are kind of like in compliance with what the universe would want from us i guess or like what it's seeking like it seeks to have the experience of being what a human is just as it seeks to have the experience of being like a curtain or a roadway uh well yeah i mean you you raise i think you raise a great question but like it it begs the question then like what if the universe you know i mean like and and this almost gets into like a god type character almost gets into a creator of sorts which i i personally you know don't believe in um, or I think there's no scientific basis for, I should say. Um, it, it gets to a point where it's like, yeah, but what if the universe really like put everything together that makes humanity so that plastic would you know, become invented? You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, like, yeah. Like, I mean, because, <laughs> because you're, you're saying, because and I hear you and I understand, like you want to, you know, maybe we should pay more attention to our, our more natural tendencies, whatever those happen to be, and kind of living in line with whatever perhaps the universe is laying out through evolution and whatever other processes. And But again, what if really the the, the end game for the universe was I, I need something that can make plastic? Maybe. I mean, that's reminiscent of George Carlin. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I guess what I was trying to say was that there's nothing that's like artificial or beyond our nature because it all is part of our nature. Mm-hmm. It, to To create plastic or to... Uh, you know, pull gasoline up from, or to pull oils from the ground and turn it into gasoline. Like, all of this artificial, amazing stuff that we're making that wouldn't exist without humans, like, it's still natural because it's part of what we do as humans, which is part it's of within our, our capability. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. And and maybe uh, to go back to panpsychism, like, that is what the universe is, like, hoping to experience, I guess. Uh, I That's not even, like, putting it the right way because I don't want to attribute a sort of, like, uh, reflective consciousness to things that are inanimate. Like a hive mind to the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe there is some sort of, like, God figure that's orchestrating all of this, but I don't see any scientific uh, reason to believe that either. But, um, you know, to, to create something that didn't exist or didn't arise naturally before humans existed, I think that's still um, that's still within the realms of our nature and it's still something that i think like if if the universe was trying to experience being in all of these different forms it would create us in order to help assist it kind of like you know what you were saying with the the george carlin bit about like we're just here to make plastic and styrofoam and (laughs) things that will go on existing that like couldn't have existed without us right right yeah i can yeah I, I or do you have more? <laughs> no, I that was that was pretty much my thought. I mean, it's kind of bizarre to think about, but like, you know, maybe maybe someday we create some sort of like a uh, supercomputer that couldn't have existed without us and it goes on to create things that we couldn't have envisioned. Uh but that would still be part of the nature of the universe. It would still be it's part of the evolution. Yeah. Of exactly. things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and one has to, I worry sometimes when 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 we go down, because I do it a lot, go down that road of thinking, like that there's kind of this like next level perhaps of 
creature or creation or evolution that that maybe humanity is a part of reaching or that that humanity will become or something like that and then people want to get into ascending and all this other kind of wild you know these other <laughs> wild ideas and you know I'm not even necessarily going um that far but uh, I all right let me ask you this Do, are you're you're aware of the concept of social darwinism uh to some extent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, you know, the strong survive, you know, kind of a Herbert Spencer sort of yeah. idea. Um, I mean, that gets used, like that concept, like that there is like this natural way or there's this way that is better that gets us to this better result and all of this and that that's the way that one should. And one has to be careful with the word should, of course, that one should go. I mean, that gets used by some pretty, you know, evil characters throughout history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And... It's, it's, I, I get, and I'm, I'm curious how you feel about this. I get worried, like, when, when science lays out a lot of shoulds about what we should be and what we should be doing and, and, and things like this. I mean, I, I buy into many myself, you know, like, okay, I should sleep a lot more. So, of course, I'm going to, you know, it's for my own health and things like this. Um, I guess I, like, like... If there was, say, this next level, be it an AI, whatever else, that, that, that we're actually, we have maybe some kind of purpose to create or something, or that that's what the universe, say, was going for or whatever. Um, is, I mean, am I, am I hitting at what, what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, yeah. if I'm misrepresenting you, just tell me. Um, but I think it goes further than that. It goes further than that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fractal in that sense. Like, the universe created us so that we could create the AI, so the AI could create something else. So eventually, the, it's kind of like the Isaac Asimov short story, uh, the last question, the final question. Yeah. yeah. So eventually, like, we're going to create the god that the universe wants to know Not us, but, like, our, our progeny's progeny or whatever. Right, right. Okay, okay. I love that short story. Bravo, bringing up some Asimov. That's awesome. Um, yeah, well, but I mean, but then what, what, like, say we find out that that's so. And maybe panpsychism is a part of that, because that, that could be the scientific proof that, well, the universe does have, like, an end game, or at least a, a furtherance, a, an evolution that it's shooting for, or something like that. I mean, like, where do you think that, like, that that fits ethically, you know? I mean... Oh man, it's so hard to say. I I mean, I I'm with you on the moral edicts. I don't think that we should be telling other people what they should do right. or what they should be because um you know, with with technology in the state that it is and where it's going, we could see humans emerge into like 50 different subspecies yeah, if they yeah. wanted to or you know, even every individual could customize themselves so that right. they could be totally unique. And not even part of the human race. <laughs> and that's like, that's up to every person. I mean, there's no, I'm sure there are ways that you could change yourself that would lead to a longer lifespan or mm -hmm. a happier, uh, more fulfilling existence. But I don't think there's any one way that, you know, people should be changing themselves or should be evolving or, or should be acting. Um, but but uh, I do know that whatever happens is going to happen within the realms of the laws of the universe. Mm -hmm. So anything that's possible is possible and is going to happen. I mean, like, thousands of years ago, people would have said, you know, it, it's crazy to think that people are going to exist in buildings that are, you know, 100 stories tall. Right, yeah. But it's normal to us. I mean... 
there's no should about it or shouldn't. It's we can, so we will. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So I, no, I actually I like how that I like where you brought that. You know, I mean that that one's capability is is really kind of the well. I know some people are going to say, well, that sounds like might is right. You know, but I don't I think it, it's not might is right. I'm not. I'm not advocating that like the mighty should step on and abuse the the weaklings or right. anything like that. Right. Exactly. I'm just saying if you're capable of doing something and you want to, then do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I I agree, and I I like the fact that you you put you know the distinction in that way, and even then paying you know when people bring up the might is right and the nonsense or even like social Darwinism, perhaps in relation to what you're saying. Okay, and I know that's that's absolutely not what, what you're espousing or I'm espousing whatsoever. Um, I think this is where, like, okay, what you were designed to do, you know, or, or like not what you were designed to do by some de- grand designer or something, but like what you're capable of and what what's a part of who you are and what you can scientifically perhaps prove what you are. You know, like empathy is just a huge aspect of that, and that's what I think yeah. keeps all of this in check. That's what keeps... Like, you know, it, I mean, what creates a tyrant in the first place that would go with might is right and say that, oh, well, I'm capable of stepping on this person, so I'm going to. You know, like, what creates that? I don't I don't think that that's natural. No, that's kind of monstrous. That, right. That is lacking uh, something that most humans have that has kept them, you know, together, mm-hmm. to continuously coming together, caring for each other, helping each other out. Like you said, it's empathy. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think people, unfortunately, through traumas and other situations that happens, unfortunately, they lose touch mm-hmm. with that empathy. And, and that's that's where these things happen. But otherwise, what you're capable of, who has the right to tell you, you know, if you pay your dues, who has the right to tell you you can't keep going? And <laughs> I, I mean, that's <laughs> absolutely. Um, so panpsychism overall, I guess, like, I mean, how, how do you feel about w- what you've heard of it? Um, certainly, it's a field that's getting explored more. Um, you know, let's take it back to that, I guess, uh, because, I mean, it is a real problem. Like, how do you get consciousness out of non-consciousness that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense? You know, and that becomes an issue with, like, the, with the materialist, you know, with the materialist view. Um, this would explain that if you just, like, that it's part of the building blocks of life and that, you know, I guess the more the blocks come together, the more the higher levels of consciousness perhaps you can have. Um, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, all of existence itself, like, if you understand the fabric of reality that we're living in, and I know this is getting, like, crazy and deep. Go crazy, (laughs) go deep. Okay. I love it. Go for it. But, yeah, everything is is super fractal, and there's all sorts of emergent properties that exist, um, like, on our scale of existence that wouldn't exist uh, if you went, if you, like, shrunk yourself down by a factor of, like, 10 or 100 or 1,000. So... It's it's not beyond um, beyond the realm of, of reason to think that, um, and, and I don't know if like attributing consciousness to everything is exactly accurate, but sure, um, yeah, just based on the laws of the universe, like the small pieces fitting together to form the larger pieces that take on new properties that are unique to it and wouldn't exist if you reduced it back to its smaller parts. But then you know putting those together. And creating something even larger and more complex, like I could see how uh, this sort of idea would come up because we we really have this fascination as humans with understanding our consciousness and why it is that we are able to look out at the world and then reflect back inward. 
um, and and understanding this whole crazy, complicated uh, brain that we have. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on in there? <laughs> we really want to know. And, you know, people are trying to understand. And I think what they're hitting on in this article is is just the nature of reality. It's when you put together little building blocks, eventually they come together to create this this thing that is unique and new and, and fascinating and, and has all these properties that are unique that you wouldn't see um, if you're looking at smaller scales. So, uh, I don't know. I think there's something to it, for sure. I, I wouldn't say that it's anything mystical or, right. you know, like... Like this chair, this couch has feelings about me sitting on it, and like in my next life, I'm gonna be reincarnated as as like a stepping stool or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, no Buddhism here, folks. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just I think that um, you know maybe there's something to it, but um, like if you were to separate the br- if you were to take a human brain, which is where we think consciousness comes from is mm-hmm. like you know all the interactions that happen there and look at it um down on like the cellular level it's not really i mean it's interesting but it's not really anything that could give rise to a consciousness like what we're used to right. i mean it's just some some fats and maybe some proteins and and it's it's got a cool shape but <laughs> you know, it's it's not going to create consciousness on its own. It takes millions of those those uh, neurons put together to create that. Um, and I'm even making the assumption that consciousness exists in the brain, right. which might be a little audacious. Which may, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm open to that. It's a much broader picture. Yeah, not that it isn't yeah. in the brain as well, but that there's a lot more to it. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I, in fact, I, I think there's really good evidence for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of what our brain does also is like process what happens in the rest of our bodies. Exactly. And also what goes on outside of us. Like everything that happens to us externally uh, does affect our brain in some way. Like Yeah, it's the constantly. big question of do your nerve endings serve the brain or is it the other way around? Does the brain serve the nerve endings? Right. And... You know that that is a genuine scientific question that people ask. Like, like which way does that go? And and you know, I I'd almost dare say it looks more like it's the brain serves the nerve endings. But <laughs> I mean, but that's you know anyway that's another conversation for another time. Oh, I'm curious but, about that. I mean, this is part of the whole panpsychism conversation. Uh, I think. So you're saying the nerve endings are uh, are what's feeling, and the brain is just there to kind of process what's happening. Well, I think the brain does does a lot of complex. Affairs, I, I think that's that's pretty clear to see. But I think that, um, well, maybe the best way to explain it would be uh, hmm, would be uh, with an analogy. Maybe okay. you know, it's kind of like the spaceship Earth analogy, but in this case, it's spaceship human body. In that, you know, you, you have. I mean, obviously, you do have a bunch of different systems, you know, in, in, inside of your body, but. Uh, no, that's a bad analogy too. Never mind. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot yeah. by asking you about this. No, this is this is something I've actually wanted to talk about on the show in, in the future, and which I'm glad to have such brilliant people to talk about it with. So, um, but yeah, I, I I think that that consciousness, like I think that if somebody loses their leg, I think they lose a part of not just a physical part of who they are. I think they lose a part of what comprises their mentality, what comprises what would be called consciousness. I think it's gone. Like, like I, I think that, and that this has been a long time 
point of mine with with transhumanism is that okay, you took all my memory engrams and you put them into into a human or into a computer, but I'm so much more. You know, like I'm every little connection. I'm every like I, my my consciousness is as much my muscle memory as it is what I what I think in my head. You know, and and so that's that's where I I think that's maybe the best way I can explain without getting too crazy. Um, yeah. And Stephanie's back. Stephanie, <laughs> we just solved all the world's problems, and you so. weren't here for it. And, oh, no. <laughs> I solved the world's problems. Yeah. <laughs> So well, no, you well, you are the solution. That's actually what we came to. We're like, okay, so Stephanie is the nexus of the universe. Everything revolves around her. I mean, I don't think Ellen would disagree with me. No, <laughs> no I'll be, I'll be right there, like orbiting very closely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I. So bottom line being is that I, I think nerve endings aren't. They're not just slaves to the brain. I think they they do a lot more than that. Um, so anyway. Yeah, I, I agree with you um, because. There is something that it's like to be a toe or a, an ankle <laughs> or a leg. Like, there's something that you feel. And it's not just one thing. It's not like a, a single dimensional thing. It's, it's like, you know, you have all of these nerve endings. You have, you have, like, you know what it's like to move your foot around and to feel what it's like to have, like, sand between your toes. And, right. Like, there's all these sensations and things that are tied to memories, that are tied to other emotions. So... It's it's all very interconnected, and I agree. Like, if you lose a part of your body, that's a part of yourself that you'll never have back. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I, I think it, yeah, it becomes a major part of how you interact with the world and your reactions and, and everything. So I think, it, I mean, just in the, at that simple level, not even getting into far more biological, I, I, you know, I really think it's a major part of your consciousness, your body. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about that? Uh, did you all, did you all talk about the uh, essay about... called "What Is It Like to Be a Bat"? Oh what? no! Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know though. that essay? Okay, yeah, so there's it's... an essay by Thomas. I can't remember his last name. Nigel. Uh, Nigel. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a famous philosopher, and he was writing about consciousness, and he asked the question, "What is it like to be a bat?" And the answer is that. A human really can't know because bats use like echolocation and they don't really rely on visual cue, you know, information so much. They're the way their brains are wired, they use like echolocation and right. um uh the, and hearing to Yeah, it's a lot of sonar. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can't know what a bat experiences when it's sensing the environment because we don't have those senses really. Yeah, or like how dolphins think sonopictorially. Yeah. Like they, they, they literally, like, they don't just, they, they speak in sounds, mm -hmm. but also those sounds become pictures in their brain. Yeah. And that's why it's sonopictorial. So, like, that's a completely different way of thinking. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. And so the, the bat has a unique experience of consciousness. There is a way that it is like, there's something it is like to be a bat that humans really can't experience. And so how do we study the bat's consciousness? Because we can't really understand it because it exists as a first person kind of perspective from the bat's perspective. And then you could sort of ask that about anything. What is it like to be Brian Sovereign? Let me I tell mean, you, it must it's be pretty great. awesome. <laughs> it is amazing. It must be awesome, but it is a unique uh, experience to be Brian Sovereign. No one else can know what it's like, exactly what it's like to be Brian Sovereign. We can sort of share the experience of what it's like to be human, but each of our consciousness is a unique first-person experience, which makes it really difficult to study and define. Yeah. 
I like where you went there. Ellen, if you have anything to say on that. Yeah, so, like, we, we all are human. We all have that in common. So maybe what differentiates us is, like, experience and ability. W- would you say that it's something like that, or is it something deeper than that? It's something deeper than that, because each of our consciousness is a is only able to be experienced from the first-person point of view. So we can study aspects of consciousness, like, um, you know, we can get data on memory and reaction time and cognition and uh, problem solving and all those, like, little elements, but consciousness is more than that. It's the sum of all those parts. And studying consciousness itself, it's, it's just really difficult because it is it is a summation of all these different things and it exists as a first person phenomenon that has to be experienced in a first person way. And science is third person by nature. You know, it's looking out from the outside. Yeah, exactly. Not subjective. subjective. Yes, exactly. Consciousness is subjective. Right. uh, Whereas science is is objective. And so how do you square those away? That's called like the hard problem of consciousness. Yes. Um, Which we brought up earlier. Okay. But but good. Yeah, yeah. Good to reiterate it. As described by... um, David Chalmers. David Chalmers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who is still alive and has great, awesome talks on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so like how do you how do you study or describe um subjective experience and how do you explain qualia? Qualia is the quality of experience, that subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Like for example, we all are familiar with the experience of pain, right? And we can describe we can say ow oh, that hurts, right? But we can't communicate our exact experience what it is actually like when we subjectively experience pain. You know, there's we can only really describe it. We can't actually telegraph it, the experience of what it is like to feel pain for us to somebody else. Yeah. So we got about 10 minutes left. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, the points you're raising, Stephanie, like almost make, almost make you wonder, and Ellen, you chime in on this uh, if you want, like it almost makes me wonder, like, can you ever like really explain consciousness? Like, is that, like, because yeah, of its subjective nature, it? could you even try? <laughs> like, can you even really come up with a theory of how this even, uh, you know, like, a, a, where, I, where my, a lot of thinking in anarchism comes from is a guy named Max Stirner, and he talks about, like, well, what is the ego? What is the person? What is the unique? And he says, he's like, it's ineffable. Like, you really can't describe it. That's right. Like, it's, it's ineffable. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's something that, that just can't. You know, there, there's, you're never going to have the words for that. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where, for me, I run into problems with terms like self-ownership and things like this, and that's a whole other question. Right. Because, like, well, what is the self exactly? Like, let's talk right. about that. There's and, some philosophers that even ask, and neuroscientists that ask, is there even a self? Well, see, now you're hitting it where, where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ellen, do you have any comments on anything just said? Yeah, I mean, this kind of goes back to labels, like what you were saying. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's all really fascinating that, you know, you can't really define a person. They are ineffable, and their consciousness is also going to be mysterious. But um, I guess we use labels, like, you know, to, to try and understand each other as best we can. Because Sure, it's the nature of language, yeah, in a way. We can, we can never really define what a consciousness is, but maybe we can, like, kind of come up with a rough framework. Yeah, oh, of course. Sure, sure. So, it, they've been trying to do that and it's just hard yeah, yeah. i mean it's yeah. really hard well that's why this panpsychism i think is starting to take hold because it's like okay the systems we've been studying dualism materialism for so many decades or however much longer um aren't exactly coming up with the conclusion so maybe we should start looking elsewhere which i actually applaud overall i applaud this kind of inquiry because 
good. Yeah, go to go back to square one. You know, and and let and let's see what's happening. If if nothing is really coming up with it, right. um, it's something I think libertarianism would do well maybe to to consider as well. <laughs> go back to square one because you're not really sol- you might not be solving much right now. But anyway, <laughs> right. that's just my opinion. So okay, but I, I got a last question that I want to ask, um, and that is. I'll answer first, or I'll give a quick answer first. But are we all connected, man? <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> are We're we? all connected. <laughs> so I am firmly in the school that, no, you have a very pocket universe underneath that skull of yours. Your experiences, like you said, Stephanie, are subjective. They are your own. They are not shared with others. We are not, I mean, not getting into like quants and all this other, you know, crazy shit, you know, in quantum mechanics and everything. Um, but no, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we're, we are individuals. Mm-hmm. We are the ineffable. Mm-hmm. And uh, only we know, you know, what, what we're going through in a very real sense, unless, you know, we want to reveal to others or something. Uh, so we are individuals. We are not a hive mind of the universe. Um, you know, even if panpsychism turns out to be the theory du jour, I don't think that it, it precludes that we are all connected man. So who wants to go next? I'll go next. Okay. Did you guys talk about monism at all? Uh, not exactly. Okay, so you probably did talk about dualism, which is the yes. idea that yeah. there's a soul and a, and a biological body. Yeah, consciousness are... is a separate entity from the rest of physical matter, right? Right, and consciousness is not is not made out of physical matter. It's something... In, entirely different, I yes, guess, that right. animates the physical matter or something like that. Right. Um, so there's dualism. And I think most people b- believe in modern times that most scientists believe that that is not really true. Yeah, they're materialists. Yeah. So, well, the opposite of dualism isn't necessarily materialism. Materialism is a type of monism. Monism is the the idea that there are not separate there's not like physical and something else there's there's everything is like the same type of matter i guess okay and it's all part of um like there's only one substance that thing that makes things up yeah there's not a physical substance and an ethereal substance that makes up consciousness sure right so if we're monists if we believe that there's only one type of substance that makes things up and that's physical uh physical substance um then maybe our consciousness is just a part of the universe. It's it's a part of the grander universe, which is all made out of the same material. So that's very much like panpsych, uh, panpsychism. That's, right. that's part of what they were laying out. So okay. that would be a aspect of monism. Yeah, that would okay. be an aspect of monism, yeah. yeah. Um, and then materialism, like right. you were describing, sure. is like the material that things are made of. Sure. Is it is it one or is it more than one? Right. Sure. So are we all connected, man, Stephanie? <laughs> um in a way, but not like in a drug way. I don't know. <laughs> because, it, I mean, there is something to that. Like, why do we, we associate that phrase with hippies who do a lot of LSD? Because when you experience altered states of consciousness from drugs, not that I'm speaking from personal experience, but just from what I've read and gathered and understood and heard people talk about, um, yeah, certain drugs do create a sense of being one with everything and being, you know, a part of a, like a grander universe. And it's a common thing that people experience when they do certain types of drugs and entered altered states of consciousness, even meditation, you know, yeah, right. That, yes. like the goal of 
or one of the goal, I guess meditation doesn't really have any goals necessarily, but yeah, (laughs) but, um, one of the things that people experience through meditation is a sense of oneness with everything. Mm -hmm. And through that they erase suffering or whatever. Um, and so there, there's something to it maybe, but I, I wouldn't go as so far as to say like that a rock and a spoon have consciousness, but they might be, they, they share the, the fact that they're part of the same physical universe with us. Do you think that your thoughts could get shared with an, with another person? Like, I mean, like, you know, when they say they're all connected, we're actually all one, do you, you know? Uh, n- not really. No, no okay. not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think... Maybe there's a technology that would be able to do that. Well, that, in right, the future, that would be, but yeah. you know, I don't think we really have it yet. Yeah. All right, Ellen, you get the last word on this. Are we all oh connected, man? Uh, so I've heard uh, psych- or I've heard human consciousness described uh, by Oliver Sacks. Yep. As brilliant. Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Uh, he described it as uh, a powerful hallucination. Um, and, and to some extent, I think that, I mean, has some validity because we are part of a universe where we're all made of matter and stuff. And, um, I mean, the matter that composes my body is pretty much the same matter that composes all of the inanimate stuff around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's really no reason why, uh, my matter should behave fundamentally differently. Like, we, we're part of the same world, the same universe, but here I am, I'm a human being, I'm part of the same species as the, the other, you know, billions of people out there, and, um, you know, we, we are the same in many ways, in our basic form and function, but um, as you were saying, Brian, we all have this ineffable bubble universe that we can't really share with other people. Uh, so, I think if... If I'm going to answer the question, are we all connected, man, I would say um, we physically, no, we're not. Not at all. Uh, mentally, the only way that we can connect with other people is through using our words and and maybe emotions and getting, like, the way that we connect with each other is only through sharing ideas and, like, other people can kind of get a sense of what we're saying or... Uh, you know, they they can be on relatively the same page, but that doesn't mean they understand everything. Right. So, uh, you know, we connect with people as much as we are able to communicate what is going on inside of our bubble universe. But that doesn't mean that, like, Stephanie knows what I'm thinking right now. Or she knows what I'm feeling. Well, if I <laughs> like, knew what you were thinking. Yeah, I was going to say, my name, oh boy. And there's no way, like, as hard as I try, I can't, like, you know, throw my thoughts into your head. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not going to be possible, except maybe the technology you were talking about, which would be really cool if it existed, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I'd be intrigued by telepathy. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I don't want it to go through Facebook servers, but otherwise, right. I, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by the idea. Yeah, that better be peer-to-peer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Open source. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, you know, there's it. There's just this. Um, there's this strangeness about human consciousness that I think is different than uh, material sort of consciousness, like what the the article you were reading was talking about, mm-hmm. um, where we place importance on connecting with other people, and we really try to do that, um, and maybe we're more or less successful, but. Um, I, I think there's there's a possibility that we can connect 
does it exist automatically? No. Like, we're not all connected in some, like, higher being. Like, you were talking about uh, when when people take LSD or whatever and experience the sort of oneness with the universe. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, speaking from my experiences, like, that's... It's it's more so just like altering your state of mind to see things in a new light mm-hmm. and um, like you don't really realize it but uh, going from day to day you're like stuck in the same sort of perspective which is you which is unique and is always like changing based on what you interact with and and what happens to you but um, there's there's you can fundamentally shift the way you look at the world to focus on other things outside of just human beings. Um, you know, like the nature of whatever. So, like, there's there's different ways of experiencing the world, and um, just because somebody has experienced the world differently in a way that makes them feel like they're connected with other people in this way that um, you know they can like share their feelings and emotions, and uh, maybe it's deeper than that, like after we die we'll all be in the same place and we'll all share each other's feelings and kumbaya um (laughs) i don't know but uh i guess that in a roundabout way sort of answers your question like no we're not connected but we can be if we try to some extent through communication yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right right it doesn't happen automatically i like that you i like the way that you said that yeah i do and i do actually applaud the idea of like seeing the world in new ways like i remember uh uh, fantastic movie, Dead Poet Society with Robin Williams, where he, that's one of the big messages he puts on it. And he has a point where he tells all the kids in the class, stand on the desk. Everybody get up and stand on the desk and look around. Just just to change your perception. You know, even standing up three feet taller than you were before uh, was enough, you know, or four feet or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think that's, a, that's part of that whole questioning authority thing that we've been talking about this whole time, too. So, anyway, I think, uh, I think that wraps it up. Uh, for for this and tremendous time of course doing this with both of you this is going to be a monthly thing from now on i can't wait this is (laughs) is going to be dynamite ellen of course stephanie thank you for being on um thank you sorry i had to bow out for like half the show (laughs) you came in and you just like bam you just put everything together oh good great (laughs) as you do as you do so and uh ellen of course thank you so much first off thank you for accepting the offer of being a co-host it's an honor for me Um, and I know everybody's going to really enjoy it, and thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. Thanks for inviting me to your hotel room to sit and uh, have the show with you. Hell yeah, that's where the cool kids hang. (laughs) What a crazy exploration. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea we're going to talk about, well, some of this maybe I thought we'd talk about, but this went in directions I wasn't expecting, and that's the the beauty of doing, talk about, you know, perceptions. All right, let's take it out of the studio, let's put it in a hotel room, see what the hell happens. And uh, look what happens. You know, I think that was an amazing conversation. Talk about consciousness. Yeah. Very cool. So, thank you, ladies, and uh, I will see all of you on the other side. Woo! Woo! <laughs> can you get enough of that action, baby? I sure as fuck can't. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. I can't wait to do more episodes with those ladies. I mean, I've already done like four or five of them in the past, and they've always been very popular episodes. You you all just love them, and, and I, obviously I do too. And, uh, man, this is going to be some great times coming up, no doubt about it. So, all right, uh, that's it for this episode. Next week's episode, I just want to remind you, because this came out on a Sunday. Next week's episode, we will be back to the Saturday schedule, okay? The Sunday schedule was not a normal thing. It's just something that had to be done for the past couple weeks, uh, you know, to make everything work and fit. Um, 
And next week, I'm going to throw more tech at you than you could handle and some other fun stuff, too. And we got a lot of Q&A questions, but make sure you send in your Q&A questions. You can just go to contact.zog.ninja and use that contact form to be able to do that. And of course, if you really want to get your answer, your questions answered uh, and deep dive into a whole bunch of other stuff, become a Sovereign Tech patron. I can't implore you enough to do this. You help out the show. I mean, eventually we get to the point where Sovereign Tech, that's one of the rewards, is that Sovereign Tech can get to the point where it's two times a week for everybody to enjoy but thanks to the executive producers really the sovereign tech patrons um and it's it's such an honor to have so many of you on board with the show uh and uh, of course do that go to sovereigntech.com if you want to find that or you can when you go to contact.zog.ninja like you know, you'll see it on the sidebar where it says go to you know join on patreon and everything okay if you really want to do that uh so thank you so much uh you know feel free to send in your feedback about this episode send in your questions perhaps about this episode i thought this was just a dynamite time and uh, whoo, like I said, next week, back to our regularly same bat time, same bat channel, baby, as the Bright Knight would say. I will see you, really, this time, whoo, on the other side. Woo! You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution. for by the New World Order.